Hey everyone, it's Danny, your favorite editor, uh, here in the editing booth. Several days, several weeks after recording this episode, we had a bit of issues with recording this episode this time. We used a method different from our other two episodes. It sounded fine while we were recording, but now going through it, there's definitely some issues with the audio. Um, unfortunately, the only way that we can fix this would be to redub everything that we did kind of using local files, which unfortunately we didn't have at the time, but we've now been using, now we're using more reliable local recordings that, that I mix and merge together. So hopefully you'll stick with us through this episode's audio issues and you'll hear our thoughts on this batch of episodes and we have already recorded the next batch for the finale of Cowboy Bebop, so I'm really excited for y'all to hear that in a few weeks. With that, three, two, one, let's jam. Hello, welcome to episode three of Under the Kotatsu. Uh, we're back at it again, watching more Cowboy Bebop. Uh, I'm your host, Austin, joined by uh, Danielle and Danny. Hello. Howdy, y'all. So as per custom, what are y'all drinking? I am drinking a gin and tonic made with Japanese gin. I felt like that was fitting. <laughs> mm. is, is it Boo Feeder? <laughs> no, that would have been <laughs> even better, but... <laughs> I'm having, so I didn't have any coffee, so I'm, I'm drinking a energy drink that shall remain nameless for brand reasons, um, but Hideo Kojima would love it. They gotta pay for that. Oh yeah, no, we... That, that ad spot. Yeah. Trying my hardest to not, to not, to not think of the other reasons <laughs> why that, that, uh, that specific drink would be known. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring it up! Don't bring it up! Don't bring it up! Okay, what was the other drink? The The lemon... I don't, I don't remember. Anyway, I'm drinking good coffee this time. No more Dunkin' for me. Um, I got good coffee in the mail, finally. That was, I'm sorry, uh, that was our one criticism from our last episode. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> friend of ours saying, hey, I like Dunkin', you bastards. <laughs> it's, it's fine to be... I mean, I don't know. I would rather have Dunkin' from like a Dunkin' store than the coffee ground you buy. Yeah. Probably just because they serve it so piping hot in the store that you don't notice it's bad. I mean, say the same thing for like Starbucks. Your taste buds are are singed off, so you don't notice. Exactly. Um. All right. Well, I don't have any uh, fun reporting before we get into the episodes. Like last time, I didn't have another game of death moment mm. where I watched something that uh, that was informative of the last episodes we watched. So we'll just get into it with the. Uh, the first of the episodes we watched, so we watched episodes 14 through 19, so we'll kick it off with episode 14, or I guess I meant to correct this last time, although it's still completely wrong in my Google Doc from my notes, but they're technically called Sessions, and like the title, title cards for all the shows, or if you like look at like the fan wiki, it's all Session, whatever, so this is Session 14, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. The gang is after the mastermind behind some kind of warp gate crypto heist. The only clues they manage to find are three identical chess pieces. Clearly the smartest of the bunch, Ed, realizes they're not just normal chess pieces, they're invitations to a virtual chess match with who just so happens to be the mastermind thereafter. 
Using the fact that they know their mark as a chess master, Spike, Jet, and Faye are able to discover the identity of the mastermind. He is Hex, who in addition to being a chess wizard also happens to be some kind of genius who helped build the warp gate system. Go figure, the corporation he was working for fired him after he pointed out a flaw in the system that would cause a setback in production to sort out. Hey, remember that time that the warp gate blew up part of the moon? Probably just a coincidence. Anyway, the gang tracks, down, tracks him down to some sort of space commune that's set up inside a debris field called the Bohemian Junk Heap. Uh, finding Hex to now be an old man who can't even remember the, the revenge plot that he put into motion all those decades ago. Spike and Faye decide to leave the old man be, but not before a rival bounty hunter attempts to shoot the old chess wizard. Things wrap with Jet explaining the situation to the corporation, who had put the bounty out on the old guy, denying their payment and instead insisting they leave the old man be as their reward. Honestly, they should have just taken the money. Um, what did y'all think about this episode? I generally had positive feelings for it, but it didn't really uh, stick out too much other than seeing the chess match itself. That was interesting, but the other stuff, it was like, fine, but sort of there you know 5.5 out of 10 type of episode <laughs> yeah no i um i i made a specific note about this for later but um upon reflection it's something that applies throughout but um i'm coming to like hate how this show is set up more and more because you have these plot intrigues like cropping up and then immediately afterwards like in the next episode you don't have any sort of payoff and like the reason i come up come up with it later is uh in regards to uh Faye. but i i'm getting it's so frustrating to have this start and stop setup you know if you want to have an arc and then some like some breather episodes that's fine but i can't think of other shows at least that i like have liked or that i put a lot of attention to where like a major plot intrigue will will come up and then the next episode using the same characters because sometimes you'll have other characters on the next episode so like the intrigue isn't directly coming up but having the same characters basically not react to the major revelations that you set up in the episodes previously so you had the church scene with vicious and then the next episode was was unrelated and at that point, I was like, oh, okay, whatever, like, that's fine. And then Vicious comes back for a two-parter, and you're like, oh, okay, things are heating up, and then nothing. Later on, Faye, like, has has her own little mini arc, and just when it's like, oh, they, you know, they found out more about her past, next episode, completely unrelated. It's like, I don't know, it's like I'm reading a book on Shuffle, and I don't love it. <laughs> well, it is meant to be, you know, like, super episodic for the most part but they do like to have those episodes where it's like oh now we're gonna really like peel the onion back on this character or whatever but then you're right that it then the next episode just happens and they they stop peeling layers or whatever yeah it going to like we talked about space stand space dandy last episode that one i was cool with because you know like we mentioned before it goes to the nth degree where it's like what if we just like completely go hog wild with it towards the end or just in general Whereas with this, it's like they're not, they're too restrained. And as a result, it's just frustrating to the point where I know the ending of this just by like cultural osmosis. I don't think I'm going to care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of the, the the strength of some of that stuff depends on the overall strength of the rest of the episode. So it's like if some of the the revealing moments about the characters or the overall world, you know, can be interesting or whatever. But if the rest of the episode, like the more episodic nature of the story is 
uninteresting, then everything else just kind of drags. Um, I'm curious what you thought, like specifically in this episode, was frustrating in that in that regard. Uh, before we move on to that, I just want to say that I think the the uh, series being primarily episodic works for me, but that just might be because I tend to like a lot of episodic anime with like slice of life and magical magical girl stuff. Mm-hmm. I would say it, it. No, it works for me too. I can just I can understand where where Danny's kind of mm-hmm. coming up against that friction. Yeah, um, especially because sometimes the most frustrating parts of the show are when it starts to be like, all right, but let's build off this thing we set up five episodes ago. And then it's like, oh, that wasn't all that interesting. Or, oh, you could have done more with that or whatever. Like sometimes yeah. the episodic nature of it betrays it. Yeah, no. And so th- I didn't have a I, I think the reason I didn't make a note for this episode was because I didn't I, I liked the episode. You know, it was a fun, cutesy episode. But then later on, I don't remember. What the I can't remember what the episode following the big Faye revelation was, but that one was such a oh yeah it was like the last it was episode nineteen it was like such a spoiler I didn't really like that episode it was such like a damp squib that yeah if if the filler episode is fun I guess I don't notice it but as soon as I noticed the fact that like oh every time this like the characters are getting some sort of motion behind them it's screeching to a halt. Once I noticed that, I was like, ooh, I don't know that I, 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 I would much rather this show be arc. Because, I mean, for example, like Jet's episodes about Jet's backstory, all of those are self-contained and basically resolved within the episode. And so those, despite them being about Jet and therefore frustrating because Jet's kind of shitty, I'm okay with those being one-offs. Whereas like the, the, the two Faye episodes, this chunk, Oh, we're finally seeing some more stuff about Faye. How exciting! How intri- Oh, never mind. We're just going to look at at pod racing or uh, or old man racing or whatever the fuck. This episode was nice, though. I like this episode. Okay, I was, I was curious where you were going. I was like, I don't, I don't know where that complaint uh, comes in with this episode. But I guess you were just doing say more general vibes on the episodes we watched. Yeah. The yeah, I agree. There wasn't a ton about this episode that stuck out to me although i did manage to take a ton of notes but i think they were mostly just commenting on the stuff i found funny just i think a lot of good moments with ed in this episode uh mm-hmm. ed, like catches a chess piece in his mouth when they like throw it at ed or uh ed's making like jaguar noises when they try to rip the, 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 the chessboard the, away yeah, yeah. i'm always really so good. disappointed when we see like a bit of ed and that's all the ed we get in an episode yeah more ed content please this one was pretty throughout i think they sprinkled in as needed basically as scene transitions yeah i'll save some of my ed thoughts for when we get to later episodes but i feel like this episode more than some of the other ones that kind of involve the full ensemble did a better job of incorporating ed into the main plot still not great though because for the most part like ed's chess game is happening completely separate to them tracking down the bounty but at least they're intertwined in a way where sometimes it just just feel like oh this is an ed episode oh this is a spike jet and Faye episode you know mm-hmm. yeah definitely on reflection it is one of the stronger ed integrations yeah music in this episode was really good i'll just say that i mean it's a good never well except when it's not like i think there's another episode in this bunch i'll remember when i read my notes for it but that just didn't use a lot of music and it suffered for it mm-hmm. Whereas this episode used a ton of music and it was yeah. all great and like really well used um, when they did use it. Um, I, I liked anytime they talk about Gates, you know, kind of going to like that, that world building mm-hmm. and they kind of expanded on this one where I, I had assumed Gates were kind of like 
basically like highways or freeways, just like something that people have to use to go to place to place. Like everyone uses them, but it's like, no, it's a, it's a more like a toll road or a toll booth that has the gate corporation behind it. Like I like, cause you know, this whole time I'm like, oh, there's like some sort of like overarching government body that's maintaining the gates. It's like, no, it's, it's a shitty corporation that cut corners resulting in a potential catastrophic failure resulting in this revenge plot. Like, you know, corporate uh, cost cutting measures coming back to haunt them kind of thing. That's how we know the show is fictional. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely thinking about state of cryptocurrency and stuff like that when basically like, you know, the way all the monetary transactions happened in this episode with like the, you know, kind of revenge heist that the old man is trying to pull in the company is like him literally like downloading funds from the Mm -hmm. warp gates and stuff. Um, which as you're saying, like they're more than just transport, right? Like there's money moving through those mm-hmm. systems as well. I also like the the part that works the most about for me about the series being mostly episodic, but sprinkling in bits and pieces that connect together is some of the more subtle world building stuff, like with the warp gates. So like you have that again, I hated the episode, but the coolest part about Sympathy for the Devil was getting that backstory about like one of the first warp gates blown up by the moon. And then we see how that impacts the Earth in a later episode. And then in this episode, we understand like, oh, this was something that somebody knew about it <laughs> because mm-hmm. corporations going to be shitty, uh, didn't do anything about it, fired the guy that pointed it out. And then look what happened. The moon blew up. Um, and they, yeah. they, they put all that in there without outright telling you it. You, you have to put those clues together. But because I've just like latched onto that, oh, man, the moon blew up in that cool. I picked it out right away when they're like, oh, he pointed out a flaw in the system. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Now we know why that happened. Yeah, that's the kind of world building or like storytelling that I'm okay with, where it like all the instances of the gate world building setups are all in the background. Like they're not the main focus. Like the gate is never a character kind of thing. It's just like something that happened. Um, Whereas... It's it the for you know for example for the vicious episodes it's like okay like the show is saying okay this is this is now about vicious and Spike's relationship and also Lynn but Lynn's dead so don't worry about it <laughs> vicious is here they're becoming a player you know part or dedicated to them you're gonna learn the back oh never mind uh, the next episode is nothing I think the justification there is like with with all of the characters I think you're right the Jeff Jet stuff is more self contained but like. You know, their past kind of haunting up on them. Like mm-hmm. in Spike's world, Vicious is a known entity. Like, mm. sure, like we the audience don't get full prevy to that, like as soon as he's introduced. But, you know, like for Spike, it's just like, oh shit, you know, this person from my past keeps coming up. Not that those episodes were all great with Vicious, but <laughs> I, think, I think that's kind of the intent with it being like not the primary focus for a series of episodes and just being something that happens one off. Yeah, I get why they do it. I just, not for me. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll definitely get more into that. There's several episodes in this yep. bunch that, yep. that dig into characters' backstories. Mm-hmm. Um, I, something I thought was really interesting watching this show 20 plus years removed from it is that it has a very different conception of what the internet like could be in the future. Where it's like the internet is like they, the thing that stuck out to me is they, so they're like trying to hunt, hunt down the mastermind. And they're like, one of the first clues they have besides the chess pieces is like they realize that all of the kind of like smaller people involved in the operation that they've arrested um, all learned how to do what they did from some sort of like hacker's manual, which yeah. I thought was just like a fun a flyer detail. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And their, their first thought is uh, like, Oh, 
where did they get this flyer from? Whereas like the return address or whatever. And they're like, oh, it's it's not a real address. It's an address in cyberspace or whatever. Like we're mm. never going to find him because he's out in cyberspace or whatever. And it just, it reminded me that that kind of like the, I love this in old like 90s hacker movies where it's like the idea of the the future of the internet being like a more physical place than it is now. Like the internet now, it's just part of our lives. Like we take it where we go. We don't escape to the internet. Whereas like people in the 90s thought with like VR and stuff like that, that it'd be like, oh, you would just live on the internet in the same way that we, we occupy physical space. Kind of like the, like, I guess MMOs still are like a thing like that, but MMOs and MUDs and stuff like that in the 90s were like, you know, like, oh, this is the future, man. This is what yeah. the internet's going to be like. And it's just really interesting to see that depicted in the show when like we know like, oh, no, the internet becomes like a very different thing uh, very quickly. Which makes show. it makes it even more bizarre uh, that Ready Player One exists. <laughs> yeah. Because that has like the very similar exactly. vibe. Of, like you literally live within the the oasis or whatever. I mean, didn't Ready Player One come out after like uh, Second Life, and it's just like, oh shit, what if Second Life was real? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like, given how old that author is, he's definitely like of that generation that would have yeah, grown up like yeah. that. And the other thing too is just like this idea of like the internet being a nebulous space and not just like, no, there are like physical servers that are hosting that data. There are people on the other end of that terminal. Like it's not just like a, like a nebulous nothing. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just like really interesting, like kind of like the, how different we, we viewed the internet back then versus how we view it now. Mm. But that was, that was one of the bigger things that cropped into my mind this episode that I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, what did y'all make of like the overall plot, I guess with like hex and the like, space commune that they find him in and stuff i i didn't love the um you know people dressed very similarly to unhoused individuals being portrayed as like drunkards and hippies and you know drug users and blah 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 um i felt like it was very 90s you know the kind of thing where it's like oh these people want to live here because they have absolute freedom it's like okay jet fucking cop (laughs) yeah jet just doesn't get it he doesn't realize he is the man. He sure fucking is, and I will get into that later. But <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me was I liked the part of the ending where just the revenge was just forgot about. Yeah, I don't know. I just liked how the revenge wasn't even like a uh, concern for the guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like see that as tragic as how he forgot everything because honestly, he seemed happier just yeah living on his own playing chess with people online. <laughs> And I thought I thought the ending was was actually really kind of sweet, like the you know, him passing after beating Ed. Like yeah. I don't know, I kind of like you know stories that have people kind of coming to peace and then going, or kind of having that last like ah, still got it or whatever. Yeah, revenge is stupid <laughs> and bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, just thinking like how much how much like fucking the current world situation is just based off of revenge of single events and just jesus christ i'm making myself sad worst of all revenge is basically the entire through line for metal the metal gear solid series so if we didn't have revenge we would not have metal gear solid so damn a better world <laughs> honestly it's like the meme of like society if such and such didn't exist oh so yes utopia <laughs> for the record i i I do actually love most of those games and I, but it's like a self-hating. It's like the thing of uh, who hates weebs more than weebs. It's like same, but for Metal Gear Solid for me. 
that that checks out all the all the same metal gear fans i've ever interacted with they're like oh yeah i know it's trash but it's my oh trash. Yeah, yeah no i mean it's like kingdom hearts fans <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, uh, okay okay this is a video game podcast <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't i can't wait until um You're trying to silence me i want i want us to get like really big and then people watch like our first couple of episodes <laughs> and it's like danny hates uh cowboy bebop loves mel gear solid etc it's, it's like, i would love to have people in my dms shouting about how kingdom hearts is good actually <laughs> you, you only make me stronger gonna be these those kids that have like the unreleased things and brag about having oh, the God. unreleased press videos <laughs> oh jesus christ yeah okay yeah we as a podcast stand against intellectual property <laughs> i talked for y'all but i i i feel like y'all agree oh yeah yes. i agree something that had me i feel like there were a couple moments um in some of these episodes where I was laughing so hard I had to pause so I didn't miss anything. Um, there's a moment where I, when they decide to just leave the old guy alone and I think Spike's got like some voiceover or maybe he's just talking out loud that's like um, he's not even worth it. He's he's long gone or something like that. And then they immediately smash cut to Jet talking to the, the guys of the corporation being like, he was out for revenge. He was ruthless. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's like, okay. He was sedate when you last saw him. Yeah. I thought that was really dumb. The ending, um, the fact mm-hmm. that Jet was like, "Oh, just leave him alone." That's our one thing. It's like Jet wouldn't give a shit. Ask for yes. like ten million wulongs. They w- or... and they would. They should have taken the money. It bothered me so much. It's like it just. It seems so out of character. Yeah. Or say, like, "I'll take the money and leave the old guy alone. He's gonna die soon anyway." Like, yeah. there's no reason for him to just be like, "Yeah, fuck the money." Like, that's your entire livelihood. Especially when they were like. They were specifically like, oh, you probably want a large sum of money uh, uh, keep yourself quiet about all this or whatever. He could have been like, well, how about a decent amount of money and also you leave the old man alone? Yeah. But also the old man died anyway, so it's like, didn't even... Should have taken the money. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah. The no. thing that, um, that I've... Uh, like Maybe the biggest kind of like expectation I had of the show from what I remember of it and from how people talk about it is um, I found myself... Maybe not in this episode specifically, uh, I, I find myself much more sympathetic towards the smaller characters, like the episode to episode characters, uh, and completely unsympathetic to most of the crew of the beat. You know, like, mm-hmm. like and in a way that's like, I would have been okay if Jet was like, yeah, we want that money. Like, you know, I, he doesn't need to make the noble decision to say, no, we don't need your money. Just leave that poor old man alone because I don't think Jet is a good person. So it's okay if he doesn't do like the, like, lawful good thing in that situation like it's fine if he wants to be like hell yeah i'll take the money because my sympathies are elsewhere it's probably why i like ed the most because ed is the least like you know like sternly motivated exactly yeah ed's just trying to vibe yeah i would i would say damn me for my heresy but i would say the 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 bebop crew other than maybe spike are written wildly inconsistently like it's like it's it feels often like their their personalities are based off of plot convenience. Like, oh, this episode, Faye is not going to be the kick-ass, like, take no whatever. She's going to be the person who runs away and or or is incredibly combative or whatever. Oh, this episode, Jet is going to be the, oh, I actually really care about all these things, not the, I'm just trying to make a buck and leave my old life behind kind of guy. Spike is the only person who's like reasonably consistent. 
or he's just not in the episode. <laughs> I would say for the the most part, I find the characters to be consistently written. Like when they do have like moments where they act out a character, it makes sense. It's just there's usually small moments like at the end of this episode where I'm just like, he should have taken that money. Like he would have he would have taken that money. But like we'll get into the face stuff. But I don't I don't know if I find that completely out, like wildly out of character as you as you put it. But I do I do think there are those moments where it's just like eh, I don't think Spike would do that or oh I don't think Jet would do that. Well, that's also part of the problem of having these episodes be so disjointed is that like the characters themselves are incredibly kind of hard to uh, pin down. Um, I think sometimes like is is Faye someone who's like super insecure about her past? Well, it depends on the episode. Some episodes, yes, because she runs away because she's like uh, afraid of getting too close, like episode 12 and 13. And then some episodes, you know, she's incredible, like she wants to stay with the bebop some so it's not and there's never given there's never any spark that causes the 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 switch which like to be fair like you know it happens off it can happen off screen but it always happens off screen it always is oh yeah this episode Faye is going to be angry at everyone and, and leaves behind the bebop oh this episode she's going to be really into like staying with the bebop or it's like okay whatever like <laughs> Pick one well, again. I, 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 we will, we will get to some of those, those things. But I, um, I find it justified in a lot of instances why she's like that. It's not just like, oh, we decided that. Like, I mean, like, yes, in a narrative sense, someone put pen to paper and made that decision. But I feel like it makes sense in her character, and I, it's interesting that way because I, I, like, I think what the show is going for is you know, trying to portray them as conflicted and complicated individuals. So it doesn't make sense for Faye to just be femme fatale all the time or Jet to be hard ass cop all the time. It's just got to make sense when they make those moves. And I find 90% of the time it does for me anyway. But like I said, this episode at the very end just didn't seem like a decision Jet would make. Again, like a more like he definitely seems like the more compromised decision of like, let the leave the old man alone, but also we'll take some money off your hands. It just it just seemed weird that that's the note they they wanted to go on, especially because the rest of the ending was really compelling. I Like you said, yeah. I like the, you know, like he makes peace with himself. He forgets the revenge and just has that one last kind of like triumphant chess match with Ed before he gives up the ghost. Yeah, I think I think my problem with the con- like conflicted characters thing is just there is no through line. So there's no through line of conflict. It's just conflict happens when it needs to in the story, like yeah. not the, not conflicted characters, right. but like the conflict just springs up and you're like, whoa, what the like, you know, which that's just that's just an episodic show. Like yeah. that's just part of the structure. But just fine, like, you know, I'm fine if if that's like I'm not saying that I'm wrong and I'm not saying you're wrong. I think it's just a matter of what kind of experience you want from a show. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely interesting to think like what this show would maybe be like if it was trying to be more serialized and less episodic. You know, like what would the overall plot be? I think it's for the better that it's episodic. I think it's much more interesting to have a crew of bounty hunters and to just be like, okay, what are they up to this week? Like mm. what 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 baggage are they bringing in? Or you know, what's the yeah. What's the bounty like this time? Yeah, going back to Space Dandy, I, I would, I love, I do like that, but if, if they go to the nth degree with it kind of thing. Also, mm-hmm. it's a good thing it's episodic because I think in a like serialized, like ev- everything, like the, like continuous story, Ed would not fit in it anywhere in this. Like, Ed, oh, yeah. Not... They, well, they oh, just, yeah. they just want to know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't have much else to say about this episode. It, it, I enjoyed my time with it for the most part. Um, again, you know, I sound kind of down on it, but it's mostly down on the show at this point, but, and not all the show, just parts of the show, but you know, I thought the episode was fine. 
you know, popcorn mm-hmm. kind of episode. Uh, the the sheer amount I was talking during this episode should <laughs> sum up my feelings on it pretty well. <laughs> I yeah, I would have I would have thought I would have written less notes because I kind of agree it was it was mostly just like yeah that was an all right episode. I will say though, at, at some part of the episode I was like. Oh man, it's nice to be watching something that's not Jupiter Jazz. Like that was like <laughs> such a low point that like even this was like, man, I'll take it. I, I did think this was like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple small things I wanted to point out. Um, I love the um uh like sci-fi trope of like a space debris field. Immediately mm-hmm. made me think of, you know, a million moments in Gundam where, you know, there's like Zaku's hiding out in in the debris and stuff like that. But I liked kind of the like something you don't see often with that trope of like, you know, like, oh, people have like built up like a like a somewhat functioning community here. You know, I mm-hmm. thought that was like an interesting idea to take, like what would be viewed by, you know, like corporations and stuff in this world is just like detritus and trash is being repurposed by people kind of outside of, of society. Again, some of the tropes around that stuff is a little bit like not full on yikes, but just like kind of grown worthy, like all the, you know, like uh, people growing like. Uh, weed and, and getting high and in the commune was like okay i get it they're hippies but yeah were like the, the three old men from episode one in this yes okay yeah i thought so mm-hmm. we're right yeah, they're like they're, they're like they know hex because we get that like bit of backstory for them in an earlier episode where they're like oh yeah we helped build the warp gate uh, mm-hmm. so you kind of you get that like oh maybe they were like the other one, you get the sense that they're they're just like laborers that that helped build the warp gates, and maybe they were. But in this one, the fact that they know like one of the main guys that helped build it, you maybe get the sense that they had a bit more to do with it than just you know the construction. Yeah. Um, again, that kind of like small world building stuff really pays off for me if you pay attention to it. I feel like there was something else I wanted to mention. Uh, oh, um, I don't know if I pointed this out in another episode, but um, there's like a, a uh, I think I pointed it out in my notes for the other episodes in this bunch but uh um there's like a motif of characters smoking and non-smoking places that keeps cropping up and then this one too um like i noted that uh i was like oh that motif popping up again but then i like the fact that he like he's at jet's asked to put out his cigarette in the office with the like corporate execs and it turns out he had like a microphone in it i thought Mm -hmm. was a clever uh, bit because it was like oh I'm already paying attention to this because it's a motif that's popped up in the other episodes and so then it, for it to pay off was was neat oh yeah I like totally saw that coming after he deliberately put it in the the, the plant pot oh I mm-hmm. thought he was just being a, a jerk <laughs> why not both he's a calculating jerk yeah. <laughs> oh I also thought it was funny he's kind of a non-character I was writing my description and had a hard time finding where to put him in because it just didn't matter in the end but that other bounty hunter that's kind yeah. of like stalking Jet the whole episode Jonathan. to kind of tail them yeah like, I was like he, he shows up and you see his character design and it's like oh this guy's going to have a badass bounty hunter name and it's just it's Jonathan <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I love how they do build him up as like oh he's like this Jet knows him blah 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 and then he just he just goes crazy because he he can't get his money back. It's like oh, okay, all right. I feel like that's a lot more than I thought we'd have to say about that one. So we'll move yep, on yeah. to an episode. I, I assume <laughs> from how this last one went that we'll have a lot to say about. Yeah. Uh, so, so session fifteen, my funny Valentine. It's Faye's turn to dredge up her tragic backstory. Turns out she was put into cryosleep for decades and woke up with no knowledge of who she is or why she was put into cryosleep in the first place. One thing's for certain, though, she sure is in a lot of fucking debt for the procedure because healthcare is somehow worse in the future. 
She regales Ayn and Spike, who is eavesdropping from the bathroom, of her experience waking up from those years-long sleep and the man she fell in love with shortly thereafter, only for him to tragically die and transfer all of his debt to her in the process. Well, about that, turns out he didn't die. Jet comes aboard with a new bounty head, Whitney Haggis Matsumoto, the same man Faye thought had died all that time ago. This scumbag faked his death after naming her the inheritor of his assets and consequently his debts. Reunited again, Faye kidnaps him away from the rest of the Bebop in order to find out what really happened back then. Turns out, in addition to saddling her with all of his debts, he also lied about a bunch of things, including her name. Guy sucks, but apparently he really did love her or something. Anyway, Faye could do Ray better. Somehow she doesn't jettison this loser into space. They collect the bounty on him, only for Faye to realize that the chump wasn't even worth much anyway. I will kick it to you, Danny. What did you think about this episode? So the episode itself is fine. Again, this is one of those things where I was disappointed in hindsight um, or like looking back because I was like, "Ooh, like finally we're getting somewhere. And it's like, nope, no, we're not. You know, I thought the, you know, talking about her coming out of the cryo sleep is interesting. Like, oh, the person that she fell in love with is a con artist, which I was frustrated because it's like she keeps going on about like, oh, like she you know tries to get him out of there, which I understand she wants to learn more about her past. But I don't know why she would believe anything he said at that point. But I guess maybe she's just like clinging on to any hope. So yeah, no, I, I liked this episode, but I didn't like how they didn't follow up on it. I mean, I do want to just get into the episode, but I guess I'll just I'll, I'll prod at that for a bit uh, and ask like, where what did you think they would like keep going? Because like while this episode establishes a lot, I don't feel like it leaves me going like oh, I can't wait to see what comes next. Like, it all felt self-contained uh, in what it was trying to tell you about Faye and her character. Okay, yes, there's episode 18 that I had the big problem with. Yes, I thought, oh, okay, okay. So, so I did think that this one was more self-contained, where it's like, okay, they don't have any answers, but it was, like, more... Like, yeah, it was, like, self-contained. Like, at the end of the day, she doesn't know much about what happens. And I'm fine with, like, the next episode not having her being, like, I need to keep researching it because, you know, it's one of those things that assumably it's an overarching goal for her that, you know, she's not bringing it up every single day. It's one of those things that if if it comes up, then she'll kind of go into it. I was mistaking this episode with the episode 18. This episode I was fine with. Well, I feel like you get the sense, you know, thinking about her and her past. I think you get the sense that she maybe is just like maybe not okay with, but has made peace with the fact that she's just Mm -hmm. not going to know about her life before that it was too long ago. And we get a bit in a later episode where it's like, yeah, the way that like data and stuff was stored and because of like that warp gate disaster, like a lot of records of stuff like from when she would have been like a child uh, before she got put into cry sleep just doesn't exist, especially like about like just like everyday people, like maybe big historical events, but she's not going to find like, you know, some exhaustive record of who she is and stuff like that very easily. And also you've got the fact that this episode sets up, I, I, I feel like, I might be misremembering, but I think in other episodes, especially the episode she's introduced, that we learn the fact that she's got a lot of debt to pay, but we don't mm-hmm. learn why, and this is the one where we learn why. And so, of course, like even if she was interested in doing the work to figure out like who she was before everything, that she can't afford to, like literally, because she's got to pay back her debt. Though I thought the implication in the first episode, or the first episode she's in, was that it was gambling debt. Like that was a different debt to this. I mean, it might, it might be, I mean, we see her gambling enough that she's clearly like, you know, like that's the other thing too, is that it like, it recharacterizes her a lot in previous Mm -hmm. episodes where we understand like, 
oh, she's not just like, you know, addicted to gambling or anything stupid like that. It's like she's desperate f- to dig herself out. And so she sees like, you know, get rich quick uh, opportunity like gambling to be like an easy escape, even if it's, you know, obviously like fruitless. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I really liked how the episode was like pretty self-contained, but it did give you like did let you really know everything you'd want to know about Faith to like make her motivations more clear in the future. Mm-hmm. To me, at least like you realize she just straight up doesn't know her past. You realize why she's so cagey about everything because she's, you know, <laughs> afraid of being thrown in like a fucking debtor's prison. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, so I think the difference between this episode and episode 18 is all in the ending. And we'll get into more in that in episode 18. But basically, this one ends self-contained. Like, basically, the information trail has gone dry. There's not much to really expand on there. Whereas episode 18, like, ends with the mystery being proposed. Ends with a shot Mm. of Faye being like, oh, my God, like, I have this new thing in front of me. We have to figure out. Who sent this package? You know how uh, they we have we, this, we have better. to save this for when we talk about eighteen yeah, because yeah, me yeah. and you were going to throw words. <laughs> Woof. Okay. I don't want to. I just don't want to get into that right now because I, yeah, I yeah, do have yeah. a lot to say about that ending. Um, yeah. But yeah, I yeah I agree. I think this did a great job of both like explaining why her character has been the way she's been in previous episodes. You know, like mm-hmm. going back to Jupiter Jazz where. You know, she's kind of in a funk. Like it makes sense, you know, like that she would be dealing with some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked all the like. I hated <laughs> Matsumoto, but I liked all the stuff with that character. Um, just because, like, man, the guy sucks, and to take advantage of someone like that is completely shitty. I do wish she would have given the guy a less of a fair shake at the end of the episode. Yeah, seemed a little bit much, but I can also understand that, like. You know, whether he fucked her over or not, he was the first person since she came out of cryosleep to like, even if it was, you know, all to take advantage of her, like the first person to show her like any semblance of compassion. Mm-hmm. So I could get why she would be like hesitant to just completely accept that he didn't ever feel anything real towards her or to just like hand him over for the bounty or anything like that without wanting to interrogate him about him, about it. I first. mean, to me, it really seems like she's like a victim of abuse and is, you know, dealing with uh getting over that abuse just because <sighs> like abuse is just a fucking handful and sometimes it's really hard to like completely cut off your abuser and think they're a bad person immediately so like it makes sense to me why Faye acted like that definitely still with you believing she should have fucking gave him a lot more of what he deserved but it reads as fairly realistic to me oh yeah absolutely i just i just found it frustrating i guess like yeah. i would have maybe expected more of, of her as a character, but I could understand why um, things went down the way they did. I, I didn't catch the abuse parallels, I guess because she never knew that he was taking advantage of her until well after the fact. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, like... and That's still abuse. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. I guess it's one of those things where an abuse victim doesn't, doesn't always know they're abused, so like... But I guess it just, it just didn't run past... Or that it ran past me because I didn't think of it as her being like, Oh, he took advantage of me all those years. It was it was something where she was mad at first that she he faked his death and then kind of found out about the other stuff later. So I just didn't catch that interpretation. I think it would have been a bit different if it was only the faking the death. The yeah, faking yeah, the death yeah. and saddling her with more debt. Is... With more debt, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the second that they were like, Oh, you've inherited all of his assets, and then they pull up the computer screen and it's all yeah. like negative numbers. It's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, no, this guy is a fucking sleaze bag. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, God, it's just like, what is it? Fucking Pennsylvania does that for parent-child relationships? Really? Uh, I think it might only be medical debt, but... They're, yeah, they're yeah. different kinds it's of... It's real. It's fucking real. I don't think it's just <laughs> it's Pennsylvania, though, actually. I think there's another state. I feel like most states will have some sort of... Like, some debts are transferable, some debts die with the person. A lot of the debts will be taken out of the estates. But the estate, for yeah. Pennsylvania, if the estate does not cover the debt, it will be passed on. Oof. It specifically states medical debt. I'm surprised with no thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, fucking. Also, while thinking about how much of like medical debt is a factor in this episode, I was um, trying to look up how um, healthcare situation is in Japan in the 90s. And it turns out they do have universal healthcare, so I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, creators were really thinking more about, uh, you know, an approaching capitalist healthscape and the American healthcare system. We'll make a big deal out of it, I guess. It was whatever, but we got more like needless fan service stuff with Faye in this episode when she wakes out of cryo sleep. It's like a POV shot, which they utilize. I mean, they utilize later in the episode, and it's not skeevy, but in that particular shot, it was like okay, or like you could, you know, have her cleavage covered up more than it was. Like it just, it seemed very fucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, juvenile i guess which is a shame because i think the pov stuff is really cool in the show and i didn't look into this but it made me think like would the show have come out at a time where that would have been maybe not quite revolutionary but like a big deal to see that many pov shots in like a tv anime just because it, it does strike me as novel in the way that they they use it or i guess it seems like it is meant to strike the viewer as novel for the time the way that they they deploy it in the show i feel like that stuff nowadays is it's still done but it's done in restraint where it makes sense to do a pov shot whereas now like in this show it's just like oh it's just a pov shot because pov shots are cool and they are cool and they do work but it seems like the frequency of it is what uh stuck out to me in this episode and a couple other ones did did dr bacchus strike anyone else as looking like a family guy character um now that you mention that <laughs> i hate that it, uh we'll get it or I, I i noticed this about the the next episode um and i don't remember if i had this issue with dr bacchus or not but this anime still has this problem but it had it definitely in the 90s pretty bad um because it was starting to be more interested in depicting black characters but the show has a problem with how it draws its black characters, like to the point of being like borderline racial caricatures. You know, mm-hmm. like there's characters in the next episode that have like bucked teeth and like really weirdly disproportionate faces compared to like the non people of color in the show. I don't think Dr. Bacchus was that bad, <laughs> other than, I don't know, comparing to Family Guy characters, pretty bad, but um, not in that way. <laughs> Speaking of bad things, Scott is. Jet a fucking shitbag in this episode. Just like yeah. did you did you write did you write down the same quote that I wrote down? Oh, uh, work on reason. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He said he's jet. I I made sure I wrote it out exactly because I was like, Jesus Christ is the worst character in the show. Uh he says women are hopeless, they don't work on reason. He doubles down on it in the next scene. Like they're like mm-hmm. he's like uh Faye's like letting him go and, and he's like, See, Spike, I told you women don't listen to logic or something like that. I wrote a significantly less charitable uh, description saying just Jet's proving he's one of the 40%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no, he's he's still a cop deep fucking down. Totally a fucking cop still. Jet's not great. He just needs to like someone needs to lock him in his room with his bonsai plants and just have him chill out for a bit. I thought it was like interesting to like think about like the parallels of the bounty hunters and like the debt collectors in this episode. 
because they yes. were basically the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I forget how explicit they were talking about how it was the same thing, but it's just they're the same thing. And it's once again showing that like the bounties in this world aren't about like keeping anyone safe or anything. It's about people with power exerting the power over others. Oh, yeah, actually. Yeah, I I wrote down the comparison. I can't remember who says it, but someone was basically saying that the Mora Morimoto, Mora Matsumoto. Matsumoto. Um, was like, oh, I can't. Like, he's a, a con artist. Like, what a what a scumbag or whatever. And someone basically replies with like, but you're a bounty hunter, so like, are you that much better? And it's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like both people yeah. are you know fucking over others. I liked. Uh, I liked. This is one of my favorite tropes, or one of my favorite like cliches or gags or whatever you want to call it. The the person telling a long story. And when it cuts, like, and like it fades away to like them telling the story, but when it cuts back to them actually talking, the person they're talking to has fallen asleep or left. Oh yes, with mine falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. um, airplane, airplane brings it to the nth degree where the person always like sets themselves on fire or whatever. Mm-hmm. I made a snarky comment about that being like, "Damn, this story is almost as long as our podcast." <laughs> hey, <laughs> and, and Spike is just pooping through the whole time, just listening in, pooping because I assume that I think it's a bathroom right there. Yes. Yeah. Definitely about because like Faye, I don't know why I remember this. I feel like Faye is on her way to go to the bathroom, and then I don't know. But yeah, it's definitely a bathroom. I made sure, or I wrote that down. It's very brief at the beginning of this episode. I think it's just to kind of set up in a future episode where they're like out of food, but they're like <laughs> like I or not I Ed and Jet are digging through storage for food, and they come across like fish that's gone bad. Yeah, <laughs> and Ed just fucking like chowing down yeah which uh, they the, on that crate it says um poisson which is french for yes. fish but they misspelled it um they had one two s's in, in i'm assuming it's get something similar to futurama or french is a dead language <laughs> well i mean that's real life anyway society of french was a dead language and then it's that same future <laughs> future city game i was just gonna say we did get more good uh fey fashion she wears a very mm-hmm. nice dress in uh, some of the scene flashback scenes with her and um, Matsumoto I didn't okay so at first I didn't like those uh that 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 montage especially like the music they picked for the for it um but as the song went on I was like okay I'm kind of getting into it and I actually really loved how they ended the song right on the on the explosion mm-hmm. like I thought that that kind of like deafening silence because I feel like a lot of things will with when there's like a big explosion sometimes they'll do you know silence but oftentimes they'll have to like dramatic music and in this case it just went to complete silence it's like great yeah i also thought that was that was really affecting and <laughs> i was also taken aback by the song at first mm-hmm. notes say what is the song lol <laughs> just like oh okay we're, we're going there it kind of felt like i mean we're all watching the dub but i assume it's also in the japanese um uh, audio but uh it, it read to me like when like in Yu-Gi-Oh when they'll do like an insert song, but they don't want to use the Japanese insert song. So they'll record some butt rock for it or whatever, <laughs> or, or, or just some like nineties ass, like Michael Bolton ballad. Uh, mm-hmm. Pokemon does that. The four kids Pokemon dub. Mm. So that's what, that's what it reminded me of. It's like, if I didn't know more about the show, I would think they recorded it just for the English dub. It was just cheesy as hell, but it fit. And like that montage does a lot of work later in the episode when you kind of realize why like Faye is all kind of, caught up about the whole thing um when she runs into matsumoto again yeah i did love the um the twists of, oh actually before we get into the twist of the episode um speaking of the sub versus dub the subs kind of went wild on this one so at the beginning uh on the dub ed says edward wants chocolate but the subtitle says edward wants chicken kebabs which i assume is like they just say like 
Ed wants uh, yakitori or whatever. Um, and then later, in a more problematic case, uh, the subtitle said, like Spike is saying, like, oh, did you make up other things about yourself too? Like you said you were Romani. Is that even true? The dub did not say Romani. The dub said a slur. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't that same slur used in the first Faye episode? Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but they said it in the dub. At least this time, they just said Romani in the um in the, the sub. Dub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I the twists actually caught me off guard in this, like the the fraudster being the same guy from before with a fat implant. Um, it also recontextualized other things, like how he was like, "Oh, the the insurance company got impatient with the three hundred million dollar payment plan that we had set up." And I wrote down, like, what do you mean the insurance company got impatient? Didn't they agree to, like, the payment plan? But it makes sense that he was, you know, he's a fraudster. So he was making up that whole thing. Um, I thought, I was like, oh, that actually caught me off guard. I did not think about Hmm. Dead Man being that guy as well. I I feel like I got to read on that pretty quickly so that it wasn't too big of a surprise. The surprise for me was when... Faye gets the chance to talk to him to be like, okay, like what really happened or whatever. And all the stuff that's like kind of clear to you at that point, he reveals. But the fact that he's like, oh, and I made all that stuff up about like why you were in cryosleep to begin with and what your name was or whatever was like the real big gut punch for me. Cause like mm-hmm. they even say early in the episode, like the amount of debt he, he added to her pile was still just like drops in the water compared to what mm-hmm. she owed in total. Still doesn't excuse it, but it's like that's a little bit easier to swallow than to be like, oh, you know, all that stuff that I told you that you've more or less been like carrying around as like your identity. Like, yeah, I made all that up, like is just super shitty. Well, and it kind of adds a bunch of layers to it in that hit. So Masamoto's uncle is the doctor from that clinic. Did, is any of that debt real or is this just a fraudster scam that they've set up basically saying like, like maybe they just found a cryogenic pod somewhere and thawed it out and said, oh yeah, well, you've been here for 50 years, so you owe us 300 million wulongs. But like in actuality, they just found it and brought it to some building somewhere. I, I kind of like how it, it kind of leaves it like, who does she actually owe money to and does she actually owe money to them? I mean, obviously in 18, episode 18, Yes, she does owe money to people. Like that's that's for sure, because she freaks out because she thinks it's debt collectors delivering a package. But in terms of like the doctor who says, "Yeah, you owe us three hundred million wulongs," it's like, is that true? Is that real? Who knows? I don't know. I didn't feel like the episode really took too much of that into into question. I feel like that that felt very real and set up. The thing that really got me about the debt was not just that, like you know whatever whatever caused her to need the cryosleep in the first place whatever wasn't just something that like was covered or whatever but the fact that they uh like the doctor goes out of his way to say they charged her interest on it so every year that she was in cryosleep she was owing more it's not just like a, oh here's a flat rate to keep you mm-hmm. in cryosleep it's like oh we're gonna just keep milking you even though you're completely unconscious just like wow can't yeah. wait for the American health system to adopt that attitude. Mm-hmm. It also really seemed like it wasn't really her choice to be cryogenically frozen. I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> like That's the impression I got, and it's like, that to me, that added another level of being like, oh, you were sick, and we made the decision to keep you alive and saddle you with all this mm-hmm. fucking debt. Yeah. 
also I thought it was really gross the line that um Masumoto says at the end where he's like saying, I really did fall in love with you. Like he, he phrases it as I really did fall in love with Sleeping Beauty. It's like, dude, fuck off. Also the ending with a uh, Ayn with the eyebrows drawn on. Very cute. I said uh don't draw on Ayn, please. Ayn is not for drawing. No, oh, it was just it was his uh glam session. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't have much else to say about it. I'm gonna have to figure out how to edit around the beginning of the episode where I was railing against this, thinking it was episode 18. <laughs> I'll think of something. You can always just leave it. Believe in. me, we'll have a lot to say about 18. Uh, yeah, don't worry, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it in and and leave it in and then leave in this part about us saying that we're leaving it in. That's <laughs> podcast content, baby. <laughs> <laughs> need to optimize need. the podcast like for those uh, YouTube algorithm ad dollars. Yeah, so YouTube YouTube loves uh, one hour and thirty eight minute podcasts. They do though. They do love they? long videos. You can just scram yeah, and do that breaks. Exactly. Uh, and there's a reason why you barely ever see videos under fifteen minutes anymore. Mm, yep. We gotta think about if we ever want to upload things to YouTube. Probably should. Probably should. Easy. Yeah. Anyway. It gives people another way to to listen. Yeah. Um, probably once we have actual podcast art, <laughs> so that way that's just the. The actual video is just whatever the podcast art is. Probably yeah, maybe like an equalizer over top of it if I can figure out how to do that and Ooh. can't be bothered. <laughs> Spoiler, can't. <laughs> um, anyone else got anything to say about that one? I thought it was a really good episode. Uh, uh, yeah, no. This was a fucking like, okay, maybe the series is not going down the fucking toilet after the last batch. Yeah. And also like, I, I feel like um, of all the dedicated like character backstory episodes, this was the best one by far. Yeah. Are we counting the church one as a backstory episode? I would. And I would also, I, I, th- I think I like this one better. I think stylistically, maybe I like the other one better. There's a lot more going on in the production on yeah. that one, but I thought story-wise, this one was really solid. Speaking of production, um, I actually really love the animation and music during the ship chase at the end when Faye's running away. How they're making like really hard mm. turns and like their faces were like stretching like under the g-force of it i thought that was actually really cool yeah that was good all right well we'll move on to session 16 black dog serenade an old partner of jets from the issp fad contacts uh him asking for help with the job the job involves a group of prisoners who've taken control of a prison transport ship one of these prisoners is udai taxim the man jet thinks is responsible for his lost arm Turns out that's not true. In a final confrontation with Udai aboard the transport ship, Jet learns that he was actually set up by Fad all those years ago, who was on the syndicate's payroll and needed Jet out of the way. All cops truly are bastards. Fad shows up to finish Udai off and to have one last face to fate with Jet. Fad pulls his gun on Jet, knowing that he already spent the only bullet he had loaded on Udai, effectively letting Jet kill him. He must have realized that the only good cop is a dead cop. This happened in previous episode, but I wrote the shortest description for the episode I cared the least about in this bunch, mainly uh, just because I don't find Jet sympathetic whatsoever. <laughs> just it's another care. Jet being a having a being a ex bastard cop. Danielle, you you couldn't watch this episode, right? Um, at the end of at in the preview of episode fifteen, into oh 16, yes, <laughs> it's uh, Jet said, "Sorry, this is for old men only." So did you you didn't watch it, did you? <laughs> Oh yeah, totally. Sorry, I I, I I totally respect what the cop tells me to do. <laughs> I only respect what a cop tells me to do as far as it means not getting uh, fined, arrested, or shot. 
Jet's going to personally shoot you if you watch this episode and you're not an old man. I just knew from that that preview, it was like, oh, yeah, no, this episode's going to suck. It was also so fucking dark and it was hard for me to see what the hell was going yeah. on. I noted that. And also, um, as I've said before, the US Blu-ray for the series is decent uh, at best. And it really showed how bad this Blu-ray is on this episode because all the mm. blacks and stuff were super bit crushed. Um, and there was haloing around like everything. Um, just yeah. not a good episode to watch on the Blu-ray. So yeah, it made me think of Conair, which made me think, man, I haven't seen Conair in forever. Oh man, love to think of better things when I'm watching media. I want to, I want to hear Nick Cage try that Southern accent. Should make a Conair anime. I'd watch. <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> not a lot to. I will say. Um, I thought Udai seemed like an interesting character that they didn't do anything interesting with. Uh, he got a little bit more than Len did in Jupiter Jazz, but I felt very similar where I'm like, I like this character's vibe, please do something with him. <laughs> but it just he just serves for more Jet backstory and then ends up not even really being like the, the big bad in Jet's past that he thought he was and all that. Yeah. Um, um, I did make a pun. I said Udai tax him. More like you die, tax man. <laughs> um, that's where my head was at during this film or during this episode. Um, most of what I sorry, we're gonna no, no, most of what I was thinking about this entire episode was just comparing it to the last uh, Jets a Bastard Cop episode, yeah, yeah. Which um, I will still stand so by because I feel like that's an episode that knew, like, oh, Jet is the bad guy here. Whereas this is like much more sympathetic or wants yeah, you to be much more sympathetic to him. Police corruption. Isn't that so sad? Yeah. See, he was the good cop. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. The, How do you make a prison riot boring? Like, I, I just. Yes. <laughs> By not showing it, you show the aftermath yeah. of people fucking yeah, you, around. You, on you can still do that. Like, fucking. Right. As, yeah. as much as you could criticize the execution of it, at least Orange is the New Black had an entire fucking season of a prison riot. Mm. I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> yeah, credit where credit's due. The scene with Ed watering the bonsai trees, that was really mm-hmm. cute. Ed, master waterbender in the house. Ed's songs, like when, um, I think I think he, t- like it's when Jet tells Ed, like, you know, water the plants for me when, when you know, if I don't come back. And Ed just runs away singing. You're like, yeah, great. Good I job. love his nod reaction to yes. Jet being like, I'm probably going to die. <laughs> I'm just I, like, I, I'm going to give Ed a bath. <laughs> That was probably my favorite part of the episode where Jet is being an extreme drama baby where he's like, I might not come back if I don't take care of my bonsai plants. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, same. I like the voice actor for Jet's partner for Fab. Yeah. I thought he was from other stuff. And I mean, he is, but nothing that like I knew. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, he sounds so familiar. He's got to be from some other anime dub uh, that I recognize. And, and he wasn't. He's just got a really good voice, though. Yeah, though, his his final line uh is one of the worst like last words I've ever. Oh heard, yeah. Where he asks for a cigarette and he goes, Ugh, "I guess I couldn't quit smoking after all," and then just dies. It's like I, what? I thought he was gonna die with the cigarette in his mouth, but he's got it in there for like less than a full like drag. And he just lets it out. Just dies. It's like God. Yeah. Also, the Rocco episode uh, with like the the blind sister and uh, Rocco. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a heavier episode than this. The, the Hex Master, Master episode was heavier than this. Jet, stop lying to me. Um, this is the episode I um, was talking about with the bad designs on the 
uh, characters of color. Uh, I will say I really liked Udai's design. His character design was great, which again was partly why I was like, man, wish they would have done something interesting with that character because he's got a got a cool design. But but some of the other designs were sort of vibes of like Gus from Breaking Bad, like pretty skinny Mm. guy who looks like he will and can and will murder you for the slightest thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his like throwing knives and stuff were were very very cool. I made a note about how Faye was being a piece of shit about uh, Jet's uh, mechanical arm. Pretty oh, shitty. yeah. Pretty shitty. <laughs> like, really fucking shitty. I don't remember. What does she say? I know she says, like, you need to fix that arm, but does is there anything else? Or is it just like her being like, you'll never be whole without a real arm? I mean, that was like, not I mean, that is shitty in stated, but like implicitly stated. It's yeah. Like, yeah. You're, I think you're broken. Why aren't you? doing anything about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, very ableist, mm-hmm. very... Because he's been getting along just fine, <laughs> you know? I was going to say, there's like a bit of a classism aspect to it with mm-hmm. uh, affording uh, new yeah. prosthetics. Yeah, they often go hand in hand, I think. Yeah, you know, obviously you would care about losing your arm even if you did get a replacement. But it seems like Jet gets by just fine with, you know, his um, prosthetic arm. Like the only characters that ever draw attention to it are other characters. Jet's never like, oh man, this piece of crap never working the way I want it to or whatever, which makes me like the motivation for why he was so eager to help out fad and take down Udai. Like just, it didn't, didn't quite click for me. Like I, I got it, but not enough that it, it made sense why he would go to the links he does in that episode. Yeah. I, think it, I, I, I get like the betrayal aspect of it, but I mean, it's not really betrayal because you know, it's just no, he's guy. just, he, yeah, he doesn't realize he was betrayed until the end of the episode. Yeah. And you know, I guess like, oh, I want to get the guy who took that from me, but it's not like, oh, they took something from me that like, I, I, I don't have that functionality back. He doesn't have a hook hand. He has a fully functioning arm. The only weakness it has so far is that he can't notice when the cigarette burns all the way down. Like it felt more to me like a, this is the guy that got away and I got to get him type thing rather than a, this person. He didn't get away. Well, I mean, he he was gonna get away more, but like they arrested him. He was he was in jail. But he's going to get away. <laughs> right, right. I think the implication is that they arrested him later. Like they didn't arrest him after that that job yeah. that left um uh, Jet without an arm. I just feel like it was so it was so tied up in the arm. Uh, yeah. Like because they brought so much attention to the fact that this is the job where he lost his arm that it felt like that was the primary motivation. Even if there definitely is an aspect to it that's like, oh, I got to get the one that got away. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it was just tied up in all the, the stuff with those arms seems weird to me uh, it is also uh, now since we're talking about it like how differently Revenge is framed in this episode versus uh, the chess episode because mm-hmm. like definitely some whiplash there yeah for sure although yeah. I guess it, it does at least doesn't completely go against that because it's ultimately not Jet the one that kills Udai mm-hmm but Jet is still Jet. Technically, got their revenge against the person who who blew off his yes. arm. But in doing so, he's left emptier because he yeah. you know, he lost a friend and and he found out someone betrayed him. Whereas yeah. uh, DJ Master Hex, you know, died peacefully. It also, just seemed really shitty that like he only kills Fad because Fad like basically tricks him into doing it. Like I especially because Jet is a cop true and true. I I did did not get the sense that he would have just killed Fad had Fad not tried to. Like mm-hmm. coax him into it, basically. Yeah, just seems like a shitty thing to do. If you want to die, do it on your own terms. Not don't force someone yeah. else to do it. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, this is also it's not exclusive to this, but you know, so 
uh, Japan is a very Buddhist Shinto kind of centric, not necessarily centric, but that's a big part of their, you know, history. You know, you have uh, Chessmaster Hex. Basically, he dies in peace because he has given up his revenge. He's given up his, he, he gets his final game and then he, he basically is free from anything he wants in the world. He's free to like peacefully move on. Whereas people like Jet, people like Faye, people like Spike hold on to their grudges, hold on to their revenge. And they're caught in this kind of vicious cycle of never being satisfied. You know, I don't think that's exclusive to it, but I wonder if um, there is some sort of cultural reflection upon revenge. Because a lot of the times in American media, I feel like revenge is viewed as like a success. Like when you get revenge, you you got even, you you win in the end. Whereas in this, it's never seen as like a like a good job. It's it's always a you you got what you wanted, but was it worth it? Is it really what you wanted? Did it bring you peace? I mean, I think that's that's definitely what the show is going for, whether yeah. it lands it all the time. But I don't know if that's necessarily directly in opposition to any other particular media, just because American media has kind of both representations. It's not necessarily all one or the other. Mm-hmm. Though I can't think of, going back to Bruce Lee, think about how so many of those movies end with like Bruce Lee, his character, like getting the revenge he sought and then kind of getting the just desserts of enacting that revenge. Like half of those movies just end with him being like arrested at the end of it. Uh, at least, at least a couple of the other ones, like um, uh, Big Boss, he like defeats the titular Big Boss, and the very end of that movie is him getting arrested. Um, I think the alternate cut of that is him like refusing to be arrested and getting shot, but at least he goes down swinging, uh, which is honestly mm. the, the better ending to that movie. Or, or uh, the masterpiece Blood Deaths, where it he gets his revenge, <laughs> and then it cuts to. Yeah, Mark Forrester, age 44, was arrested and sentenced to life in prison. <laughs> like, oh, okay. People should check out the ending of Blood Nets. Don't watch the full movie. It's boring. <laughs> People should watch the last yeah. 30 seconds of that movie because it's a trip. <laughs> um, a couple of funny things about this episode. Uh, I So they mention, uh, I think it's like uh, that they're, they're talking about where they think the prisonership is going. And they're like, oh, they're going to go back to Europa. And someone refers to like the people of Europa as Europeans. And I thought that was the funniest thing. Yeah, that tripped me up. Yeah. Because um, presumably, you know, like most sci fi media like this set in the future does this, where it's just like, oh, yeah, whatever countries we have right now just don't exist. So, like, or, or like, you know, land masses and names, that stuff. So, European in this world doesn't refer to Europe, it refers to Europa. Mm-hmm. Um, just a funny, like, they didn't really draw attention to that line, which made it all the more funny. And then I don't know if it's just me. But the prisoner uh, uh, transport ship looked like a Tommy gun to me, which I thought oh, was very funny. Yeah. It also kind of fit girl, with, yeah, yeah it kind of fit with some of the like you know corrupt police type uh, mm-hmm. themes in the episode. Uh, I don't know if that was on purpose, but that's definitely what it looked like to me. Speaking um, of the uh, Europa, um, I did love that when uh, Taxman went up to like they got to Europa and he like radioed in, they just told him to fuck off. Like, like, he's like, oh, but I have information. They're like, all right, good luck. Yeah. I thought that they didn't get involved. It was like, okay. I did like that, that he's like, oh, I've gotten out. I can be useful. I've got information. And like, no, we're, we're good. We don't, we don't need you. Like, yeah. And there and was even no, people like, like him get tossed to the wayside when they're no, no longer yeah. useful. Yeah. And there was no like, oh, this is all, it's okay. I have another master plan. Like you can tell he's like vis- visibly agitated and he's like, oh shoot. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Talking through it has me feel like a lot more 
calm about this episode i guess but i was definitely very like actively frustrated throughout the whole thing and I, just reading now i literally wrote down what was anyone's motivation during any of this <laughs> it's just like there's a point towards the mm -hmm. end where it just broke me i'm like i don't get why any of this is happening other than the prisoners escaping that i get uh, and maybe like udai's stuff i get but just like jet and fad and all that like why fad wants to die so bad at the end all that stuff is just like why why do people care yeah probably my least favorite episode out of the out of the bunch anyone else got anything how did no. you feel about the episode title what was the title again black, black dog, dog serenade i don't know if i've got any hard and fast thoughts about it yeah i don't know like yeah like the the main antagonist is is black and like jet's name is jet black well jet he is jet. the black they do they call him black the black dog right the black dog who bites on and like yeah. doesn't let go or something they, like that yeah. they bring that line back up because that was mentioned also in um uh ganymede elegy yeah i wonder if it was meant to be a double entendre in which case yikes but i didn't read it that way at least so yeah i would assume that they're trying to specifically refer to um jet's character it just doesn't help that a lot yeah. of the prisoners on the ship are black and also like i said very very poorly uh, doesn't help that i was uh, a little bit mentally checked out for a decent amount of the episode fair i also yeah, don't know why they call jet other than his last name i don't know why they call him the black dog like well again it's like the whole like oh once he gets his fangs into things but like the black dog specifically well because his last name is black. black i guess i mean that's it but i don't know i mean that makes it like you're not gonna call him like the jet dog or not just gonna call him the dog um i, like, I guess calling him black dog i guess makes sense if you know his name fair yeah not a not a great episode but i okay the best part of the actual episode is ed uh uh non-plussing uh, uh jets like please take care of my bonsai plants or whatever and oh, also yeah. ed and ein watering the plants great too mm -hmm. but the best episode including post credits is the episode preview for the next episode i got very excited because for whatever reason the next episode i remember very well um compared to a lot of the other episodes uh from when i had first seen this episode and so i just knew going into it it's like oh yes <laughs> this episode was a slog but the next one's gonna be good was the preview for this one ein barking that's the next one. Uh, that's the next one. Oh, that's the next one. Okay. Oh, right. This one was like the old men being like, what do we talk about again? The the mushrooms or whatever? Yes. The next episodes are mostly fun, if, as long as they're not Jet being like, only yeah. old old weathered men can watch this one. Fuck yeah. you. Also, the next the next episode, I mentioned last, when we were talking about last episode, uh, Foxy Cleopatra. This is the episode I was talking about. Not I keep fucking up the episode order. Uh, mm. When I was talking about Foxy Cleopatra buying uh watermelon at the beginning of the episode that's episode 17 not 16 no it's anyway. 18 or you're, you're right 17 no i've 17. got the episode numbers back. all right oh, <laughs> i think it's time for us to finally get to that episode all right uh session 17 is mushroom samba uh finally it's ein and ed's time to shine coasting on through space after running out of fuel and with barely any food left things are hostile aboard the bebop after falling victim to a hit and run, the Bebop is knocked off course and crash lands, or crash lands onto the surface of Eo. Still starving, it's up to Ayn and Ed to go in search for food. The two go off to have the most fun that anyone's ha ever had in the show. Eventually, they run into Domino Walker, a mushroom farmer and drug dealer. Ayn and Ed make off with some of his mushrooms, but unsure of whether they're good to eat, they decide to use the rest of the Bebop crew as guinea pigs. Surprise, the mushrooms are psychedelics and have Jet, Faye, and Spike all tripping aboard the Bebop. Ein and Ed come to realize Domino has a bounty on his head and go after him. A proper Wild West train chase ensues. 
When they finally catch Domino, thanks to a helpful cow, Ed agrees to let Domino go in exchange for a bag of mushrooms that he promises will sell for millions. Ed and Ayn head back to the Bebop, but not until Ayn thanks the cow for its help, because he's a polite dog. After a close call with the police, the gang realizes that the bag is actually full of shiitake mushrooms. Not worth nearly as much as they thought, but hey, at least they've got something to eat now. Uh, this was the best episode out of the bunch because of Ayn and Ed. It was so good. Mm-hmm. I have a note in my notes that is just yas <laughs> with a million days <laughs> because I, mean, I was just I, so excited when they just go off on their own <laughs> and just fuck around. <laughs> They're so good together. My first note was, I love Ed and Ayn. And then my second note was, eat, quote, even Ayn looks good enough to eat. I will kill you, Spike. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I said in all caps, don't eat Ayn, please. My first note was, this show just needs to be about Ed and Ayn, like all the time. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it really comes into its own. Like, it it really, like, plays with the setting, kind of like the, you know, I I do like, you know, like, in terms of, like, comedic shows, there's, you know, the idea of a straight man who like who's the foil to the comedic character and in this case the entire world is this is the foil to edenine and i think it just works so good it's it's like um the increasingly poor decisions of todd margaret how he's just like this Mm -hmm. buffoon and the world is like reacting to him being an absolute buffoon same also to edenine though not buffoonery uh necessarily because they actually are competent when it comes down to it just kind of by the seat of their pants it, it's just so fun well, well they are literally the the two smartest characters in this show like yeah. i feel like that's inarguable uh, especially i who just knows so much more than anybody will ever realize um as we we see in this episode a bit yeah i do love they are you know uh jets like these were emergency rations who like who ate these or whatever like you know, these were 100 percent for emergency never to be touched etc and they're trying to like figure out who who ate that and i, I love the resolution to the scene that's basically Faye having the shits because they were like a year out of date uh rations well and then jet and jet and spike get it too like that's the reveals that they all took rations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and be- i assume because like ed never has that same kind of like you know uh, gastrol reaction to it that because they stopped ed from eating the one um emergency ration that ed was able to get that that means that ed was the only one that didn't actually like eat any of the other ones mm-hmm. um besides from that one yeah i thought it was uh such a fun episode i thought it was really funny it was just nice to have like the show just be about ed and nine and have like the rest of the crew out of the way. I'll get into why that's also kind of a complaint, but in the context of just this episode, I thought it was really fun. There's you know, like good bits where they run into like the other kind of main players of this episode, but it is just like so inconsequential. Like it's just like they're just out there getting for food. So they're like trying to go to a watermelon stand, uh, which they don't have money to buy. And that's when they run into kind of like the bounty hunter that's chasing after the, the mushroom farmer the whole episode. Then they run into the mushroom farmer, but only because they see he's got he's eating a hot dog <laughs> so they run up to him but then he finishes the hot dog uh before they get up to him but they're just so disappointed and at that point the mushroom farmer uns- runs into a character named shaft which does not do great like i think it is fine if you want to have a black character in your show that's a bit referential towards like you know black exploitation films and literally just name him shaft it's another thing with the representation for black people in your show hasn't been stellar <laughs> in other episodes like yeah. you got to earn that uh, but yeah. that said, 
that character has one of the funniest moments in this entire series. I had to pause because I was laughing so hard where he's dragging this coffin around with him. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you want to know why I've got this coffin with me? It's because because of you, I'm going to put you in this coffin. And as he's saying that, just a truck out of nowhere comes and runs <laughs> over. <laughs> he's just mortified. And it was just so abrupt and out of nowhere. I thought it was just it's so funny. On top of an episode that was already really funny. It was um, yeah, just a great moment. Yeah, on on the the topic of uh, Shaft, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but just to run through the representation in this episode, uh, the black bounty hunter who dresses like she's from the 70s with an afro and her cleavage always out comes to a watermelon stand. Shaft is just Shaft. The, the mushroom drug dealer is black and very coded to be kind of like Rastafarian, Jamaican kind of stylings kind of i think i mentioned this in the last episode it feels like you know japan is a very racially homogenous society there's a fair chance that a lot of the people who worked on this show legitimately had never seen a black person in their life especially in the 90s because like like foreigner business dealings in japan were still kind of nascent back then I don't know if that's entirely true. I feel like you, I, that's not an excuse. Like, yeah, higher the internet, the internet, the internet was was a thing then. Like, they they could have looked at reference photos. Well, uh, that, that's that's literally what I was just about to say. It it feels like they literally just saw black people through American media and just fucking oh, absolutely ran no. with the caricatures. Like they they have a they have a, a character referencing black exploitation films because that's like that's what they know about yeah and yes they should have like i'm not saying it as a defense i'm saying it as a condemnation they should have referenced people they should have talked to people uh but they didn't they clearly didn't um gum like i said it's it would have been fine for the most part if it was you know in the context of a show that had plenty of other great ex not exploitation uh <laughs> um representation of uh people of color but because it doesn't, it comes across as like furthering some of the caricatures they have in other episodes. Um, whereas I do, I do think the intent is to be like, "Hey, we're having a fun time, uh, paying homage to black exploitation films." Like that is a fine thing to do. But in the context of the rest of the show, it kind of runs a little sour. Uh, when I again, I don't think that's that was necessarily the intent. I mean, you get the vibe from a lot of um, Shinichiro Watanabe stuff that. He's very interested in portraying like people of all different kinds, but doesn't always like we're talking about, you know, like consult with people or like actually know enough about those types of people and those cultures that he's trying to draw from to really do the representation justice mm -hmm. um, that it, it does come across as, as problematic oftentimes. I mean, there's there's stuff like that in Samurai Champloon and the one I'm thinking of the most is uh, his most recent thing, um, Carol on Tuesday. Uh, which has has uh, has some similar uh, problems with characters of color and also with you know uh, queer people and trans people as well. Where it's like you get where he's coming from from most of those characters. There are some really bad ones um, in that series, but at the same time, it's like you got to put in the work. Like if you want to have like you know a lot of black characters in your show, you got to have like you got to talk to somebody who's black and can tell you can point those things out to you because you're right. Like they might not know just looking at their own work that they're being problematic you know in interviews and stuff like that he comes across like the kind of guy that would want to 
you know, mm-hmm. go in and fix those mistakes if you knew they were mistakes or knew they were problematic. But you gotta do better. You gotta yeah. do the work. And it's not like this is like some small production or something. They easily could have oh, hired someone yeah. to look at this and be yeah. like, "Yeah, this is cool. This should be changed." Yeah, it it, it, it feels it feels well intentioned. It or it feels more out of ignorance rather than malice. Yeah, the kind of thing where I could imagine the thought process being like, "Well, this is how they're depicted in American movies. Like, why would they depict someone like poorly in those movies? Like, kind of thing." But yeah, like do the work, <laughs> you know, run it by someone, because um, these are not subtle things where someone like the whole Romani versus the slur that is like a pretty wide misconception, and someone who is not clued in to like the Romani people might not catch that this is not that this is a lot more glaring and it it definitely made me like not sour to the episode i really liked the episode but it definitely kind of caught me i was like oh do better y'all yeah yeah i think you know complaints aside the bulk of the episode is just like ed and i have a gay old time and yeah. it rules. It's just, it's so good. I love the fucking chase scene at the end. Oh, it's mm-hmm. great. Or the, the train scene. It's just so yeah. silly. And they're on like a scooter. I love that. Like, it felt like this is maybe kind of like the energy that they wanted to have in that alien episode, the toys in the attic, mm-hmm. but it just didn't land because it was like not goofy in the right way. But this one felt more in line with like, this is a nice, fun, goofy one-off episode. We get to spend some time with, uh, you know, the more lighthearted characters. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Um, I like that there's uh, there's a bar that we have a short scene in. I don't even know. I just wrote it down, and I also tweeted about it. <laughs> Somewhere in the bar, it just says Moby Dick, but it's spelled like M O B I D I K. I also took a note about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is very funny. And in that same scene, Shaft is at the bar, um, mm. kind of like nursing his wounds or whatever from earlier, and he's like he's eating shaved ice. And he gets like wind that like, oh, like Domino Walker's on the move or whatever. So he's like going to rush out to get it. But of course, he's got to finish his shaved ice first. And so he gets a brain freeze. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this, is, this is so silly. And I'm here for it. Like I said, like the silliness of this episode worked really well for me. I thought it was mm-hmm. all very funny, um, especially like the bit with the cow. And oh, I, yeah. they, sub, they subtitled their conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, got a hint to get the fact that like, oh, yeah, Ayn is actually really smart. <laughs> like that's the whole data dog thing that they, they never really dived into is like, oh, yeah, he's a He's a smart dog. And the, uh, the music in this episode is killer. The mm-hmm. Towards the end in the chase scene, there's like a mushroom jazz song. Yes. Yeah, it's very good. There's, I, I just put it on this is the Ed plus Ein soundtrack having <laughs> like Umarangi generation kind of vibes or is like mm-hmm. kind of in that vein. Such, a, it, it just kind of, it all came together perfectly. Also, Ed had the best line ever. Um, they, uh, it just says, uh, high socks are cool. When it's yes. getting ready to like go out, I was like, "Oh, that's the episode title. Like, that's that's yeah. this the, our podcast episode title has to be <laughs> socks are cool. High socks that are Ed cool. Take I... socks off. Yes, yes. <laughs> Walk through the desert without socks on. Uh, yeah, no. All the music, like that scene when they like immediately walk outside and they're just walking through the desert and slinking along. The music's really good there. You got great chase music scene, or the music in the chase scene is great. The three old men show up. Yep. Uh, oh, they're in the bar. They're in they're the Moby Dick yeah, bar. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love when they're landing, um, like after the hit and run, like when they're actually landing down uh, onto the planet. It like has a long freeze frame on, or like, or it's like in the foreground when the when they're crashing in the background. It just says like Western world. Yes. It's like they they are laying out exactly what this episode is going to be. <laughs> um, also, 
Westworld. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I made I made that same connection. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, this is I'm I, you know I talk about how I don't like these inconsequential episodes. I love like this is how you do an inconsequential episode. If you're gonna do it, just go into it. Have fun. Have well intentioned, poorly executed uh, homages to black exploitation films. Like really go into it. Have Spike talk to a spirit toad or spirit frog. Cool. An obnoxious little frog, I think is what he yeah. calls it. Or maybe I just wrote that in my notes, but I definitely wrote that mm-hmm. down. Yeah, also, all, all the eat... stuff with them tripping was very funny. Mm-hmm. When they uh, eat like... the mushroom, it makes the, the PlayStation 1 starting sound, which I thought oh, was yeah. very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, like Spike walking up the, like, or what he thinks is like an infinite <laughs> staircase, and then it cuts to um, Ed and I just observing, and he's just walking in place mm-hmm. on a very small staircase. It's very funny. And Faye in the uh, bathroom when she's just, like, making, like, swimming motions in nothingness. Yeah. <laughs> what is Jet doing? Jet is uh, talking oh, Jet... to Bonsai. Yeah, he's not even hallucinating. He just, he just, or I guess he is. He's, it's an auditory hallucination for him. It's like, oh, that is the secrets of the universe. How easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could the tell I was writing. That is uh, relatable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I said, that, that dude just needs to, like, get locked in a room with his bonsai plants and just vibe out for a while. Yeah. Give him some more mushrooms. He needs. <laughs> um, I was clearly writing high off this episode because I wrote just a ton of stuff down, but also <laughs> everything is in all caps. <laughs> And at one point, I don't even know what this is a reference to. I just said, like, is uh, or is Ed the Joker? Question <laughs> mark. Oh man, that's um, that's the ideal Jokerfication. You want to be like Ed. You don't want to be like um, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, it's a sliding scale. Uh, my my favorite joke from this episode was just uh, me just writing down "I'm backpack!" exclamation point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reminded me of um, in the Pokemon Sun and Moon anime, um, uh, Ash. Uh, has Rollet, uh, and Rollet is always just yeah, chilling in his backpack, and that's very orb. cute. Always a fan of animals and backpacks. So when they're coming up on the train, Ed says to uh, to Ayn, like, go go, master cow wolf wolf or something like that. I don't know why they say cow. I don't remember if the cow, if they saw a cow, but they literally say like, master cow dash wolf wolf. Well, well, no, uh, there's a when that when so there's a scene where Ed and I are watching oh, the um, Cowboys. Yeah, they're watching like the, the bounty hunter TV show that lets the, that's how they find out that there's a bounty on the mushroom guy. And Ed's like, oh, I'm going to be we'll go after this guy. I'll be a cowgirl and you'll be a cow wolf wolf or something like that. Mm. <laughs> is what she does. Oh, oh, yeah, you're a cow. Oh, cow woofler is what she said. I wrote. Mm-hmm. Well, because the um, this is also the first time. I mean, they may have might have mentioned it before. Maybe I'm just like slow. I don't know. But the fact that the slang for bounty hunters is cowboys, like I didn't yeah. pick up on that. I mean, you've got the whole like Wild Western motif TV show uh, about the bounties. I thought that w- I think that was you know previously set up, but this episode definitely makes it more explicit. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely in that like the the theming of that show, like you know the mm-hmm. cow the cowboy thing. But I guess it's because I never heard a character say like, "Oh, I'll be a cowboy," or like, "You're like, are you a cowboy?" kind of thing. Like that, it just didn't like click to me. Like I was like, oh, it's just like a Western themed uh, TV show, like whatever. I guess that kind of makes sense. But like for them to like use it towards each other, like master uh, cow master or master cow woofler or whatever. <laughs> it is also the most successful bounty hunter of the bunch. It has a one hundred percent hit rate. Uh, I mean, or zero no. percent. I, I mean, I guess it, 
it lets worked on the end. They got food. That's what they it, it lets them go on purpose. It's not like an accidental thing, though. Yeah. Ed also is just like, fuck it, I just want mushrooms. Because I don't even think Ed cared about the money of the mushrooms. It was just like, oh, mushrooms, yum, yum. I do like uh, the aspect of the uh, Domino, uh, his character of just like, they really sell that he's really good of getting himself out of any situation. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at the end where he's got like the two bags of mushrooms. And so clearly one of them is just shiitake and one of them is like the real like psychedelic stuff that he's going to sell. Just worked really well. It was a great episode. I believe this is our reward for suffering through Jupiter jazz. We deserve deserve this one. I I personally deserve more for having to see. Yes. That's fair. And yeah, like I said, I, I don't know why, but this episode stuck in my mind. Um, throughout the years so when it the episode came up i was like oh yes this one's very good mm. i think just because of the setting i think like when i think of cowboy bebop i think of this episode because of like the explicit like western stuff um in this one and also it's just it's a really fun episode not to mention even the preview is great with ian doing the preview yes oh yeah <laughs> Actually, no, that's the next one still. God damn yeah, it. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, what? I wrote down for this one, what the fuck was that next time preview? Because I think it was... I don't even know. I think maybe this one... Was this one from the um, the next episode? There's like the junk shop guy that knows all about the VC, the VHS and yep. beta stuff. Is he the one that does the episode preview? Mm. I don't know. I don't remember. Either way, I, I remember it being a very weird episode preview. It was just like, oh, that doesn't tell me what the episode's about. <laughs> or mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah, good episode. We don't have much to say about that one because it's good, unfortunately. And more more to say about the bad ones. This is definitely like a if you're just gonna go back to Cowboy Bebop for like the greatest hits, this is this is on your hit list. Oh, that should be the finale because it's the best episode. Yes, Um, I say that just be the show. Remembering the last episodes whatsoever, but no. (laughs) All right, we'll we'll go into session eighteen. Speak like a child. Faye gets a mysterious cash-on-delivery package in the mail. Afraid that it might be from debt collectors, she runs away from the Bebop to spend most of the episode betting on dog races. Jet and Spike, both curious and frustrated that they had to pay for the thing, open it up to find a videotape. Uh, Not that they have any idea what a videotape is. Seeking an expert on such archaic things, they find a nerd who knows all too much about everything VHS and beta. They're able to watch part of the tape, but a problem with the tracking leads to Spike destroying the tape player. Now on their own after pissing off their Betamax expert, the two travel to Earth to track down an old beta tape player in a subterranean mall. They embark on a journey dozens of stories below the Earth, only to retrieve a VHS player instead of a beta player. Fortunately for them, another cash on delivery package arrives for Faye, and this time it's a beta player. Having run out of luck at the races and convincing herself that she's missed back on the Bebop, Faye returns just in time to view the tape with Spike and Jet. The tape is in fact a time capsule Faye left for herself when she was a child. Faye is unable to recognize the girl in the tape as her younger self, but is moved to tears by, or sorry, is able to recognize herself uh, in the tape, but is moved to tears by her inability to remember the time in her life documented by that. I'll just say it. I thought it was a very good episode. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Um, I thought both the episodes in this batch dealing with Faye backstory were pretty strong. Uh, It might be because I like uh, Faye the best out of the three. Uh, main members of the Bebop. Yep. Yeah, if you have to exclude Ed and Ayn, she's definitely the best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those two are definitely my favorite, but... Like... Yeah. I like Spike whenever he's not being a moody baby. <laughs> um, whenever he is literally just being space looping, he's great. Jet is a cop and sucks. Um, mm-hmm. 
sometimes he's interesting in how much he sucks, but other times he just he just sucks. But Faye is, I think Faye is really interesting, and I was kind of really waiting for us to get to these episodes because I always thought her backstory was interesting. Definitely very kind of like sci-fi tropey of the you know cryo sleep and not having her memory and stuff like that. I don't think that's like really compelling and interesting. And the way that this episode ends, I guess we'll just get to it because I know Danny, you had some problems with that. But I thought it was really emotionally effective to see her like looking at her younger self on the screen and just being unable to connect with it because she doesn't remember any of it. Like it's like clear enough to her that like, oh, that's me, but not knowing like any sig- significance to the stuff that she sees in it other than like, oh, that's me when I was younger. Like just thinking through how hard it would be to process that, uh, I found really moving. And to me, like, I'll let you, you know, kind of say your piece, Danny, because you definitely felt otherwise, but I didn't feel like there was any kind of grander mystery to reveal. I think to me, that's just like a really like an affecting but dour note to end the episode on of like, you know, of how kind of like irretrievable her past is for her. Um, that even with that, that tape there, you know, that doesn't bring back those memories. Right. Yeah. No, I, um, I do agree. I, I actually, I like the ending of the episode. I like the fact that like that, that, like that shot of like, this is someone I used to be, but I'm not anymore. And I, I, the disconnect is so vast and I don't know them anymore. Like the, the, like you said, the, the knowledge, the, the logical knowledge that this is someone I know or someone I was, but the emotional incapability of connecting with it. My, Problem is more that I think there are a lot of questions on the table. Like someone must have sent that package. Someone who knows about Faye's past, because this the they say in the video this is a, a thing for ten years in our future, and they were talking about how Beta basically went until like the twenty twenties or something like that. Um, so the, the, and we know Faye's been frozen for like fifty years or something like that. So they do set this up. They do say that because the tape was sent out at the time it was like before, I think it's, it has to do with like it being like pre warp gate or something like that. Yeah. But it's because it's such an old package that basically it got held up in the mail for 50 years or whatever. Like when they, when they go to investigate, when Spike and Jet, before they even open the package, go to investigate like who delivered it, like they're trying to figure out who it could have been from and they're unable to figure it out because it was sent so long ago that it just got kind of passed around until it eventually found a way to who it was supposed to be. Um, I think is the implication. So the implication is that she did send it to herself. It just, it did not arrive oh. 10 years later like it was supposed to. I... Like, so, it, so it is it is her past self sending her future self the time caps like she planned, just in like the worst kind of circumstances possible, which again, made it all the more affecting to me. But I, I believe that's all set up in the episode. Oh, I, I read that differently. I, I mean, maybe oh, I I'm like completely concerned with like the greater implications of it. And I was just more concerned with how Faye felt about everything. Cause yeah, like I personally am incredibly different than how I was uh, like 10 years ago. I'm still friends with y'all, though. <laughs> but like, and I have a lot of mixed feelings on that. But to um, be so different, to not even recognize yourself damn <laughs> yeah no i so i read this the it being passed around differently i i guess i read it as basically i thought it was someone was sending it through a bunch of people so it wasn't like trackable kind of thing no. i didn't read it as oh it just got lost in the mail 
I think the gi- the dead giveaway is that like the episode spends literally like no time other than that initial like oh who could have sent this like investigating the idea of like who would have sent it like if there mm-hmm. was some sort of grander mystery to that the show definitely would have engaged with that I think it was like an initial setup for for Jet and um uh Spike I almost called him Lupin <laughs> for mm-hmm. Jet and Spike um to be kind of confused by whatever it is and then by the end of the episode when you realize it's a time capsule you then realize like oh the reason why I was you know in the mail for so long yada 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 um I don't think it was kind of like it, I don't think it was meant to be like a, oh who could have sent this to her what kind of mystery that is this I think it's all just leading to you, you to that payoff at the end mm-hmm. where you have her watching the tape back and that's it there's no greater implication to it other than just kind of like that horror of looking back on a version of yourself you can no longer remember right i would still even without that i would still i'm still frustrated that we have that like moment for her where it like those feelings are kind of brought to the forefront of like i don't remember who i am where i I guess i'm just grasping for something to come from that other than just a one moment like i would like hope that because they kind of set it up in the one with masamoto like that she doesn't know who she was, but like, is it peace with that? And I thought that this would be like a spark of like, I want to find out who I was and who these people are, but there's, there's not that. Well, again, it's like, you know, one, the implication you get from kind of this episode, but definitely from my funny Valentine is that like, she doesn't, doesn't have that desire. Like it's that she doesn't, the fact that she doesn't express that is enough to let you know that like, Oh, she's not concerned with that. And she's also got, you know, like I was saying before, the debt to worry about that kind of trumps everything else. And how how would how would she even you know go about that? And also, it's not like again the emotional reaction at the end there is not her going like, oh, I want to know why all this was significant to me. It's like, oh, I don't care, right? It's like like I don't know this per- like I know this person is me, but I don't know this person. It's not like a oh, I would die to know more about this. It's just like oh, that version of me lo- no longer exists kind of thing it's more of an existential thing and not like a it's not meant i don't i don't see it as meant to be motivation for her i don't think it's meant to be like and now i'm gonna figure out what it is to be i think it's meant to be more of just like a oh i guess this is who i am now like i don't recognize myself anymore it was like just like a small little self-contained tragedy for me yeah i i read it as as like i agree like yes she didn't did not care because she didn't have any sort of tangible or any sort of like memory from her past therefore she didn't care and like was at peace with her you know amnesia i read her emotional reaction not as one of like oh like whatever that's still not me to like a oh this is like like as a as like a thing of like when you don't have something sometimes you forget what it's like to have it so to like have a spark of oh this is who I was, I thought it would spark some sort of like, you know I want to find out who this person was or, or you know the kind of thing of like oh I I'm you know she she became comfortable or used to not knowing who she was because she thought it was hopeless but now it's like oh this is this is who I was therefore I want to learn more you know. I don't know if there's like like I'm pro- like that's probably not how it was intended to be read, but that's how I read it. Um, yeah, I just don't feel like that's the point of the episode. I don't think they're trying to get you to go like, oh, and now she's got to go go on and on a journey to learn more about herself. Um, I don't honestly don't remember the next couple episodes. I believe, you know, her character and these parts of her character are 
investigated more. I could be mm. wrong, but it's not in that way of like, oh, and now I'm going to hunt down. And because like the reality of the show is that like it just doesn't seem like these people have time to deal with their personal trauma. <laughs> like they're just they're trying to make ends meet. All all else kind of comes before that. And then also, I just don't think it would be very compelling. Like I don't think if the next episode was her being all soul searchy and trying to get the gang to go to earth to learn more about her past and stuff like that like i just don't think that'd be interesting i think it's much more interesting it's just a one-off like this is a personal tragedy for her and then just kind of move forward like with all the other um kind of backstory focused episodes it's just meant to be like again like i said before like peeling a layer off the character and then just kind of moving forward with the um the episodic nature of the show i think it it works really well for me um no complete opposite i i i'm frustrated when it's an episode of mostly Spike. I mean, I like the scene with Spike and Jet talking to the the Betamax guy, but them like going through the through the museum. It's like okay, it's kind of cool, but like it's kind of just like filler to me. Like, not much really happens there. And then, like to me, basically the only the only highlights of this episode were the Betamax guy and Ed answer or Ian answering the phone, and then that was very good at the end with like the emotional payoff. So for me, it's incredibly frustrating to have an episode where it's just like three little moments that I actually care about. And then especially because I care so much about that emotional moment to then just kind of leave it by the wayside. And it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just not what I want, which I guess I'm not going to say like the show's bad for it, but it, to me personally, it's, it's just frustrating. I just think that's like you maybe at odds with the structure of the show because yeah. again, like yeah, and that that's fair. Like that happens. Um, you know, oh yeah, yeah. There are things that just aren't for you, and I, I I think the mingling between fun one-off episodes and like greater intrigue that doesn't always go anywhere—not necessarily greater intrigue, but like more in-depth kind of examinations that just kind of like stop and start. Just it's just not working for me personally, which you know, you know, I'm not gonna say it's a bad show for that. Just I didn't love the episode. Yeah, I'm just getting the impression, just like the middle ground is what's turning you off. You'd like rather have it be full serial or full episodic. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, because I I love me some full on like serial of you know I want you know at arcs of stories, and I love me some all right. This episode doesn't matter to anything else. Like we're not gonna you know, try to get you emotionally invested. We're just going to have fun. But yeah, when they try to do this in-betweener thing, yeah, it's just frustrating. But, um, you know, I don't think, I don't think uh, you're incorrect for liking it at all. Oh, no. Yeah. And I I feel like if anything, it maybe speaks to the strength of that emotional moment at the end of the episode that you want more development there than the show is willing to give you. Um, Yeah, for sure. No, I I can see what that's frustrating. I love how it's framed. I love how it's, I, I thought they were going to do this. I'm glad they didn't. I thought they were going to say like, so good luck. And then they say like Faye's real name or something like that. No, that they didn't do that. I'm, I'm glad they did. Yeah. I'm like you go get him. Dan, uh, Danny last name. Like <laughs> they, they just. Danny let Phantom. It, Danny Phantom. Um, they just let it kind of hang. Yeah. I think the, yeah, I don't, now, if I have too much to say about this episode, the highlight is definitely the end. I thought the the stuff at the VHS and Betamax was fun. Um, kids these days not knowing about videotape uh, formats. 
The guy's wrong, though. He's like, I mean, I, I get he's trying to like oversimplify for Spike and Jet, or maybe he just, you know, he's even a fanatic like him doesn't know the full picture. But at one point, he's like, well, you see, there were two different types of videotape formats. It's like, uh, there were more than two. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I get that, you know, you want to just go all in on, on someone else with all the, the deep videotape lore. I also love Spike just being a complete fucking ass to the guy in the shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I got a kick out of um, the fact, like the implication that Betamax essentially went until like 2020 something. Yes. And then like switched <laughs> over to uh, whatever they use then, like optical drives or whatever. It's like, yeah. okay, that's good. I feel called out by the show though, because in this world of the future, I would definitely be this guy sitting in the back <laughs> of the junk shop watching 20th century dramas. Uh, on a, I guess he's not watching on a CRT, but off of uh, beta tapes and stuff. That would definitely be me. I really thought it was like a missed opportunity to like have like some really old Gundam stuff on there and make a joke about. Oh, it. why? <laughs> yeah, why didn't they do that? I and mean, it's Sunrise. They could do that. Yeah, that would have been like really cool, but can't soil the Gundam brand. <laughs> I saw myself in the the VHS guy because of like how he was talking about something, and then like the everyone he's talking to just kind of glazed over and stopped listening how i feel whenever i talk about like how like my work or like like someone like oh, no. oh like what do you do like science stuff that seems really cool and i start telling them they're like oh never mind it's not that cool it's like yeah you're right <laughs> so i don't i don't talk about science anyway anytime someone asks me for my job i'm like eh, i just i just write stuff Good. like hey, thanks i don't care what i do anymore <laughs> say you're a cow woofler don't answer any follow-up questions as to what that means <laughs> elaborate on that no <laughs> uh when they get the package at the beginning, Jet's like, it was COD, and it took took me way too long to remember that that's cash, cash on, on delivery. delivery, and my mind was like, Call of Duty? <laughs> it was like the only thing I could think of. I was like, what the fuck is that? And then it came to me when the second package uh, arrived. I was like, oh, right. I like the stuff with the mall. That was cool. Again, more of that world-building stuff of like, oh, we already know the, the factoid about like when the moon blew up, uh, humans on Earth had to like start to live more underground because it wasn't safe to live on the surface for a long while, and so of course they would build like giant uh, malls into the um, into the Earth because capitalism going to capitalism. I wonder if that the electronics store or electronics mm-hmm. museum, whatever it was, I don't know if, okay, yeah, there's a cat out front of it. it looked like, kind of looked like Meowth. I wonder if that's a reference to something. Like if there's like an electronics store brand that is like has like a cat as their mascot. I wonder if that's like a reference to something or if it's just like a cute little thing they threw in there. No, I, I didn't pick up on that at all. So it didn't mm-hmm. um, register to me as a reference. I thought you meant the, the the shop underground. It was like, unless you do, do you mean like, was there like a real cat or was there like a fake cat? A fake, it's like a cat statue. Okay. okay. I don't know. I mean, like there's like the shopkeeper cat stuff, right? Like yeah, maybe, like, maybe. Um, yeah, I thought that was fun. I I really, really, really liked, uh, especially because I thought like these idiots, they don't even know if they're going to get a tape player that'll work. I liked that, that they brought it back and it was yeah. a VHS player. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess they don't specifically say VHS, but you know, definitely not a beta, beta player. Mm-hmm. And then Ayn making the phone call, like you said, uh, was mm-hmm. very good. Ayn is so smart. Good boy. Yeah, I don't know if I have much else to say. It was a pretty straightforward episode. Um, yeah. I don't know. I liked Faye kind of retreating uh, at the thought that it could be like a, a debt collector that was trying to get to her. And I also liked uh, that at the beginning of the episode, she's betting on horses. And then when the 
the tape comes in the mail and she runs away she switches to dog races and she's winning for a while and she's like i always knew dogs were better than ponies i wrote uh, down are dogs better than ponies question mark i wrote down dogs are not better than ponies um but neither of them should be raced <laughs> that's that, that's i had that thought too i was like I, yeah. I also i also was thinking i'm only okay with horses being raced if they're horse girls um shout out to uma musume <laughs> But real horses, no. Boo. We don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Anyone else got anything else before we move on to the last episode of of this bunch? I feel like I didn't talk about much, but I was a fan of the episode. Yeah, it was good. I don't know. I feel like I've just talked a lot less this episode, maybe just because of like how like less enthused about Bebop as a whole I was after the last group. Not this one, but the one before. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like that might be coming through. (laughs) And like... Mm -hmm how just how little i am talking this episode comparatively yeah, Am I the only yeah I feel like, that feeling? no these these episodes definitely did a lot to dig me out of that hole but i definitely don't feel like i'm back to like some of the highs we were at with those first six episodes yeah or i guess what like jamming with ed was the the last like point where that show was still like on a winning streak for us and then we hit toys in the attic and it was downhill <laughs> although i guess y'all didn't like ganymede elegy and Waltz for Venus as much as I did. But yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely didn't completely dig ourselves out of the Jupiter jazz hole, unfortunately. Yeah. But there's some good stuff in these episodes. Um, I guess we'll get to the last one then. Um, session 19, Wild Horses. Uh, Spike's ship, the Swordfish 2, is in need of repairs, so much so that he breaks down on the way to get it looked at by Doohan, an old mechanic and friend of Spike's, who he got the old racing ship from originally. Meanwhile, Jet and Faye are having trouble out in orbit dealing with some space pirates who inject the Bebop with a virus that shuts its systems down. After getting the shortfish repaired, Spike rejoins the crew out in space to have one more go at the pirates, this time utilizing some old tech and purposely shutting off the systems on the swordfish to avoid the pirate's virus. Things go bad as the pirate ship blows up in the debris field and Spike finds himself hurtling towards Earth and the swordfish, which will burn to a crisp as he enters the Earth's atmosphere. Lucky for him, Doohan and his assistant Miles fly out to rescue Spike in an old remodeled NASA space shuttle. With a dangerous series of maneuvers, Spike finds his way to the cargo bay of the shuttle, only for Doohan to explain that their journey back to Earth is going to be just as daring. The three end up crashing, but everybody makes it out all right in the end. What did y'all think about Wild Horses? I was generally a fan. I liked the grumpy mechanic side character. Mm -hmm. I liked Miles. I like Miles. I, I hate side characters. Doohan. I think Doohan is a piece of shit. Like how oh, I liked him a lot. How he talked. I like. I he, like he, that like, character archetype. He was uh, mean to the kid, but I, I thought he was a fun character to make an episode about, especially yeah. like with him and Spike having having a history that wasn't Spike's normal history with people. Yeah, I'd oh, be God. okay. <laughs> I'd be okay with. Um, Doohan giving Spike shit, but I'm I'm just over like like how he was like talking to the Miles and like yelling at him and being like uh, like I don't know like fuck fuck bosses who do that <laughs> like I don't know I just don't love like the grumpy uh mechan- like grumpy old man archetype. It's like okay, I don't know. Well, the way I felt out the relationship was like you know Miles is this like you know, energetic, can-do kid, but he's also a kid, and he's got a lot of, like, really, you know, like, um, big ideas, but maybe doesn't, you know, like, kind of, you know, doesn't see the forest for the trees 
Um, and so Duhan's kind of there to like, you know, reel him in a bit. Is he harsh? Yes. But I think like that's kind of the relationship dynamic they're going for. And it pays off at the end when they both kind of get in the NASA shuttle and we get that moment where uh, we learned that Miles hasn't even ever, you know, been out in space before. And so for him to like do something daring like that with the old man, I, that stuff worked for me. Uh, Duhan reminded me of Sid from Final Fantasy 15, another like old mechanic type. <laughs> um, so that was that was a pleasant thing for me. Um, yeah, I thought it was a solid episode. I didn't really care, or at least I just didn't find it super interesting, the stuff with the space pirates, but it provided like enough of like a plot to hang everything else off of. Like it couldn't just be an episode of um, Spike visiting a mechanic and getting his, I guess it could, I take that back. It could have just not in the show. That's not what the show is about. It needed to have some sort of, uh, you know, uh, action plot to hang it off of. But I definitely would have liked an episode that was just Spike chilling with Doohan. I I liked I liked the space pirate stuff like not like the I don't think it was interesting but I liked like the action scenes like those thought they were fun oh yeah yeah absolutely I I thought the ending was incredibly like limp wristed how I liked when Spike was like oh I'm gonna die like have that bottle of whiskey like I like that kind of characterization of just like resignation or acceptance um but then like Doohan comes up and it's like oh like they're gonna do some like cool daring escape and they they kind of do when when Spike flies his like ship into like into like the the cargo bay essentially of the that of the ship spaceship. was super cool. I like that a lot. Oh, fun fact about the ship is uh mm-hmm. the actual ship IRL um uh was destroyed in reentry in two thousand three. I looked this up. <laughs> yeah. It's like based off the Columbia. Columbia, yeah. But no, it literally said the Columbia on it. Yeah. It's oh, okay. Columbia on the yeah. side, yeah. Um, yeah. but they were, they were, once he landed, they said like, oh, we're not out of the woods yet. We got to like be really, you know, precise mm-hmm. with how to get back in. And then it just cuts to black and then has like a picture of them landed. And it's like, no, <laughs> like he's just said, like, this was like the exciting part of the, uh, of, like, I don't know. Well, I, I, I like that because we did get a very exciting moment. My note yeah. for it literally just says, yo, <laughs> when, yeah. when Spike like disconnects the wings as he's like, you know, like slowly inching or not slowly, but like very carefully mm-hmm. um, maneuvering his ship into the cockpit of the uh, or in the cargo bay of the um, aircraft. But the fact that like you think like, ooh, he made it out of that one only for Doohan to go like, no, we're not done, baby. We got more daring stunts to do. And it didn't feel like, a, oh, we need to see that. Like, we already got the payoff of this, like, action scene. It's totally fine for them to be like, oh, and then they made it out all right. And you get the fun callback to the photo now, but it's with the three of them crashed outside of the desert. I, I thought that was a fun way to end it. I, I didn't think they needed to show the, the second action scene. I think we had enough action at that point. Uh, I, I, I would have liked to see it personally, but... You know, I, I didn't I didn't hate the episode. I thought the episode was fine. Um, kind of another popcorn one. You know, you don't learn any stuff. It's just like about people hanging out, people having daring action. I really liked the um, like the, the let's go to hell virus. Um, <laughs> yeah. And at one point there's a there's a shot where like it's it's like a shot. I think it's like Ed, Ein, Ed's computer and then Faye and Ed turns its head like inquisitively and the computer screen rotates at the same time. I thought that was very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, it was fine. I think it was just a nice like popcorn episode, kind of like the first one we talked about today. I'd put it a little bit higher than popcorn. I second Danielle saying it's nice to see Spike have a 
relationship to someone from his past that isn't like all the other ones we've seen, which is not just like angsty and edgy. Um, nice to have him kind of have like a somewhat of like a mentory type of uh, character. The stuff I like Miles a lot. Uh, I like I don't know like I would I would love for the show to be more in this vibe and like a hundred episodes you know like mm-hmm. much more about like hey they run into like new and interesting people every time and it's less about like the backstories of the the bebop crew but more about just like who they encounter along the way and who their bounties are and stuff like that um I really think the one of the biggest strengths of the show is when it does focus on these smaller characters like some of the small things in this episode, like the, there was the radio with the baseball broadcast. And I was thinking, oh, shit, is there like fucking solar a system wide baseball leagues going on here? And I also like the implication that baseball is so popular and there's so many teams that there's a team called the Blue Sox now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny, too. I would love a, a baseball episode of the show every more, more anime should have baseball episodes. Yeah. Get on, get on the ball like Super Sentai. Every single Super Sentai season has a baseball episode. Got to get with everything the program, directed by June Medea. Yes, especially when it's only twelve episodes and really does not need a baseball episode. <laughs> Still there. Who needs uh the beach episode or the the hot springs episode when you can have a, a baseball episode? I mean, but ironically, yeah, the baseball arc in Clannad slaps. Yeah, I baseball in that. Have not seen. Uh, that. Yeah. We got to watch uh, that now. <laughs> No, it's I'll watch, watch it for baseball. Oh, no, shit. it's just Never like mind. it's um so the VN's like split into two parts and the baseball is like the second the the uh first part of the second part of the story, I guess. And it like ties all of the routes together because all the huh. characters on the routes are on the same team. Okay. I did like um how when they were doing the virus th- stuff with the pirates, I loved how Faye was just like completely just like, oh yeah, I totally know what's going on. Bacteria, virus, you know, same thing, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We didn't we didn't talk about it in the episode, but the My Funny Valentine episode has a great moment where she's in her hospital room and um Matsumoto is like, uh, do you even know what you know anything is is like now that you're in the future or whatever? And she's pointing all the things in her room, like, that's clearly a toothbrush and that's a microwave. And it's like, no, that's like a um a washing like machine a, a washing machine and all this other stuff is just like very funny like oh that's a that's a tea kettle and it's like nope that's a face uh, moisturizer but yeah I wouldn't say like a mixed bag of episodes but definitely some some highs and some lows definitely no no deep lows like jupiter jazz so yeah. for that and hopefully the last seven are, are if the last seven are on par with these six i'd be happy as long as we don't go back down to Jupiter Jazz levels, I'll be fine. I'm feeling a lot more optimistic about the ending of the show after this batch because, God, I if we weren't doing this podcast, I'm not sure if I would have pushed through. I'll be real honest. Hmm. I probably would have just because, you know, it's so well regarded and like an important part of anime. But yeah, oof. yeah. see, I don't I don't give a shit about like like that kind of like significance in, in terms of like if i want to watch something in general but like oh it's just more of like a lot of conversations we'll be talking about how sure, sure, it's useful to have sure. those experiences of my own to compare them yeah. to because if like if i hear anyone say something like oh, i love jupiter jazz i know i can immediately fucking discard their opinion <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly um i guess we can go into o- overall thoughts of the batch and and you know all that we, you know kind of already were but like uh, I'll say this: I am less 
like kind of going back to what uh, I think what Danielle had mentioned, like I'm just kind of running out of steam for this uh, series. Like I'm not like over it, but I'm not looking like the first after the first set of episodes, I was so into the next set of episodes and then Jupiter jazz happened. And like these episodes, I was very like about, but I don't think these episodes other than the Ed ones really like sparked that feeling of the first batch again. So I'm just like, ah, you know, I'll finish it. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not into double core, uh, anime in general. I kind of like shorter ones, but uh, it's just, it's just kind of weighing on me a little more like this next batch. I definitely agree that the first five episodes is such a goddamn strong start to the show that Mm -hmm. it is like kind of inevitable, but also unfortunate that it can't keep that pace uh, forever. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, like I, I, these episodes did a lot to win me back after Jupiter jazz. And I knew that Jupiter jazz wasn't going to be like, you know, the part where the show just completely derails itself. And it was just like a bump along the way, but, is definitely a big bump. So it's nice to get over that, that hurdle and feeling optimistic about the next seven. So I guess, yeah. Fuck. I was thinking like, there might be some series where we just fuck get to a, a point and we're like, all right, fuck it. We're not, we're moving on to something else. Oh <laughs> yeah. If it were, if it were, if it were bad enough, although I don't know, I am of the mind that, um, push through for the content. If it's bad. In sure. An way. Exactly. Like I, I am like, all the bad episodes here have been like distinctly, distinctly bad from each other. Mm-hmm. I guess. Well, we haven't ever like gotten to an episode and been like, "Oh, it was bad for this reason," and then just moved on to the next episode. We had like an interesting, you know, think interesting things to say about those episodes. And so, like, as long as it's bad in that way and not just bad in a like, "Oh, I literally don't have anything to say about this." Uh, like, as long as it's interesting, then mm-hmm. fine. Especially in the context of a show like this, because it does have such. You know, highs it's very interesting when it hits its lows even if that's you know, frustrating or hard to watch yeah i think the only reason that i would be like yeah let's just drop the show would be is if it were like way long if they if we were watching like a 50 episode show and like 20 episodes in we were like really not even like interestingly bad but if it was just like boring then i'd be like yeah we might want to kind of think about just dropping this one and, and watching the first half I'm trying to think of an example of something that I've seen where I just dropped it halfway through because I was just so bored. I think you, you y'all probably have better yeah, reference. Pull up, pull up my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, me and Danielle were just uh, talking on Twitter recently about um, Majo no Tabi Tabi or um, Wandering Witch, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess that's not a good example of it being boring. That just got so extremely bad that I had to just Jesus. eject out of that. Are, are um, we done with the discussion and we want to move on to the other things we've been watching? Recently? I think so. Oh, yeah. I forget we do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was about I to just like end of, this. I watched it. a lot of anime this week. Uh, like Austin was oh, mentioning, yeah. uh, Wandering Witch. I started watching it, and by the third episode, I dropped it because first first two episodes had some, you know, like some yellow flags in them being like, hmm, this, this has got some stuff going on here. And then just the third episode, you just have a very powerful witch seeing terrible things happening. And she's just being like, damn, y'all live like this? And then leaving. <laughs> Actually, damn, was... y'all live like this is probably a stronger reaction than she had to literal child sla- slavery. Yeah. What was the thing 
Austin, you were, I think you, you dropped it, but Danielle didn't drop it. It was, uh, other, uh, other. Oh yeah. I, I, well, I, I have been on the fence about dropping that. I did just decide to drop it after this most recent episode. I got five minutes in and just fucking couldn't. It oh, I haven't, I haven't, uh, kept up with that. It That'll is be. another, uh, I think episode three was as well, but it was another anime original episode. And so I heard even people that are like big defenders of the novel being like, yeah, this episode's bad. I didn't realize uh, that it was anime original. Yeah, it's one of those like episode three or four or something like that. Though um, I'm, I'm strongly, strongly getting the impression I should just read the, the novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I am thinking I might read those at some point because people do speak highly of them and I can see that it seems like something that would work better as a novel than as a series. Um, what else are you watching, Daniel? Um, one thing I finished, started and finished this weekend was this vampire who lives in my neighborhood. It's cute, gay, it has vampires. I don't really know what else you need. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute. I highly recommend it if you're looking for like a little gay slice of life thing. And then um, I also started the first season of Show by Rock because I was watching that with my girlfriend and she's like oh cat girl and i'm like oh bunny girl and it's a fun <laughs> it's one of it's the very it's very k that's also a magical girl show sort of kind of one of the uh shows brave enough to have uh humanoid characters with animal ears but not also human ears you know because so many so many cat girls in anime have both human ears and <laughs> um cat ears or it would be very ambiguous where like they'll have hair covered up in just the right spots where you can't tell if they have human ears as well uh, whereas Show by Rock is very explicit about the fact that nope, they have they had just have cat ears. Unless I'm getting that wrong, but I believe that's the case with that show. I've not seen it, but that's like the one thing that I mean. I got the impression that all the characters were like anthropomorphic, like furry characters, and they're like some of the scenes they're just humanized for you know like visual effect. Yeah, because mm. like all like the uh, non-main characters just you know don't don't mm. really look super humanoid. Mm. I've heard good things about that show, but I've not. I'm not. Furry K on. <laughs> Did you watch uh, anything else worth note? Uh, I was uh, rewatching some Gabriel Dropout as well. Hmm. Fun slice of life show. Yeah, I think I fell off of that show at some point, but I definitely liked what I saw. Um, uh, Danny, what about you? You watching any anime? Um. So keep watching Promise Neverland. It's coming to its conclusion for the second season. Um, I don't know where that stands in the manga, whether or not it's like close to wrapping up. It kind of feels like it would be, but who knows? It's all right. Outside of that, I've been um, rewatching uh, Sakamoto Desuka and Yuri on Ice. And, you know, those are as fun as, as ever. Um, but I haven't been watching any new ones really um, I've been playing a lot of Persona 5 Strikers just because I, I adore the Persona series. Um, and no one can tell me otherwise. Um, I'm controlling myself. <laughs> for what it's worth, there's no, like, I mean, there's no, been no, like, homophobia or, or transphobia in this one, thankfully. Um, yeah, I, have, I haven't seen any capital P problematic stuff from, from Strikers. Yeah, no. My mostly because it's focused so much on, like, like you don't interact with a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. so it's 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 not. It's kind of one of those things where, yes, you can. I mean, you can get into the fact that it's pretending they don't exist, but they're also pretending that no one exists. Really, like, 
um, it's not like you're talking to a bunch of you know cishet people. Um, you're just not talking to a lot of people in general, which kind of makes me like realize how much I really like, you know, the part of Persona being like the the daily life simulator kind of part of it, where you're like where you are like going to class and all that. Because um, yeah. I'm not in Strikers, but I'm really enjoying my game. Those games should just be like Tokimeki Memorial, but gay and drop the RPG stuff. That would be the dream. Um, awesome. That definitely counts as anime in my book. Uh, or close enough, anyway. Yeah. Um, for currently airing stuff, I'm watching a lot, but I will shout out a couple things. A uh, new Precure series uh, started uh, as of last weekend. Uh, yeah, this is the time Rogue. I finally keep up with one. <laughs> so it's very good. I wasn't recommending people hop in on the last series because it was, you know, like middle of the road. Precure was fun, but not great. Uh, Tropical Rogue has a really good staff behind it. The first episode was just a stunning production. Just a lot of fun. I love the main character so far. Um, really good stuff. So if people are looking to get into a year-long Magical Girl series, I would recommend that while the getting is good. Um, I also <laughs> name-dropped it earlier, but Uma Musume, the horse racing, horse girl racing show, um, is surprisingly good. It's the best sports anime on right now. Um, <laughs> like shockingly emotional like has had me in tears multiple times over i don't know how they do it um but it's really good and i, I was gonna say it's joining the club of actually good uh gotcha game adaptations yes uh well i mean that gotcha game just came out and it's been in development hell for forever i thought it was um, legal problems because the uh the owners of the horses were like you can't make my horse a lesbian oh i had no idea i just know i just know it's been in development for years and delayed dozens of i believe of times. it was legal issues mm, that would make sense that show's good. The finale is going to probably wreck me. Um, Precure's good. Uh, and then I started a new Gundam since the last uh, recording. I started uh, Gundam After War X or just Gundam X. Um, and it's interesting. It's got a really good premise uh, within the Gundam series uh, that I won't say much about just because it's, it's interesting if you know Gundam. Uh, but it's a really interesting premise. I just don't love the characters so far, but I'm intrigued enough by the premise and the world building that I'm enjoying it enough. I'm only a couple episodes in, um, but I'm digging that. Uh, continuing on the, the Gundam journey. Uh, but yeah, that's all I'll, I'll shout out. Um, and that's it for this week, I guess. Um, that was 14 through 19. We're going to watch 20 through 26 next week. We'll finish off Cowboy Bebop. We'll wrap up our final thoughts. Uh, who will love it? Who will hate it? How will we feel? Uh, maybe we'll rank it. I don't know. Um, and then uh, I think it's we'll also probably to say that we won't be watching the movie, even though it chronologically takes place near the end of the series. Yes, we will at some point revisit the show with the movie once we've had a little bit of distance and we want to return to the the Bebop gang. We want to see Ed Nine again, yet, uh, but he'll be there. Um, uh, and then, yeah, next episode, we'll also say what we're going to watch after Bebop. Uh, we've decided on a turn order, so it'll be Danny's turn. So Danny will let us know next episode what he's decided to have us watch. Um, so that'll be exciting. Uh, as always, you can DM us on Twitter at under the Kotatsu, and you can send us an email at uh, under the Kotatsu.anime at gmail.com. Uh, it is last uh, episode for Bebop, so get in your Bebop questions if you have some. Mm -hmm. um, or just general anime questions. Ask us any questions. We'd love We'd to answer love to, if you to like in. answer questions if we got any. 
Yes, please. We're thirsty for questions. We want a whole Q&A episode, please. Tell your mom about our podcast and have your mom write in some questions. <laughs> Ask your mom to explain us anime. Oh, God. I made too many gender jokes to tell my parents about this. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, the rule I am playing is I will uh, uh, show my mom how to listen to the podcast if she asks to. But currently, she just asks, oh, how's the podcast going? And I say, it's fun, um, which it is. But yeah, uh, get, in, get in your questions. We'd love to answer them. Um, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, I'm tired of doing the <laughs> see you later, cowboy. Actually, no. See you later, cow wolflers. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say times do gay as an outro. And oh, like, yeah. consistently that do. is a good one. That's very Waypoint <laughs> Radio with their um, fuck capitalism, go home. So I like that. So yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, there's a, uh, I listened to that Cartridge Cinema Club and they have a, one of the hosts has a similar, it's fuck cops don't join the military. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Well, uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to make it a, make it a you thing then, right. uh, Danielle. Uh, you want to, you want to take us out? <laughs> Gender isn't real. Be crimes, do gay. Mm-hmm.